You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first three rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in all this week's action. Remember to do that. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during the sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that is THPN to, after the, to enter the DraftKings free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome to this episode 43 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan, and you should be in for a good one. We should be in for a good one today. Very interesting guest. I've been meaning to get him on for a long time, Frankie Bannum. And we're going to catch up with him. This guy's one of, uh, you know, a lot I don't know. I didn't play with Frankie. I played against him. Um, but... In one of my NHL games, the few that were there, I played against Anaheim, and he actually scored a goal. I remember that year looking at the stats because Frankie had 83 goals in 94, 95, or 95, 96. So I was 18 in junior, and uh, I had some injuries that year, but I played, I think, yeah, 60 games, and uh, oh, boy. He had 83 that year. Now, I know there was more goals scored like back in the day, but not like this, like a, a few more. You know, I had 50. It was still a lot. Um, Lanks had 67 in his draft year, uh, and Frankie had 83, which was nuts. You know, I'm sure I'll go back and look at the stats. I'm sure uh, there's a few people in the 50s. Not many, though, right? I remember I was fourth or fifth. I said fourth. That was just out of memory. Maybe fifth. I'll look it up while Frankie's on uh, on the pod in scoring. Not that it's me, me, me. I'm just saying I, I remember distinctly not a whole lot of players getting 50. We'll explore that when he comes on. 
like that year, he got, you know, 33 goals on top of 50. I mean, just a pure, pure snipe show. Um, and Frankie, so, yeah, goes up. I, I believe it was 97, 98. He had, he had uh, 21 games played, nine goals. So that game I played, I, I went back down. I fought Doug Huda, and he scored a goal. And I remembered looking at the hockey news. That's how we'd look up stats back then. Uh, and at the back of the bus, wherever we were going, and I was like, Jesus. I looked over at Brad Brown. I said, Frankie Bantam scored nine like in, in, in 21 games. How was he sent down? I, I don't know. Like, just think about that. You're a rookie. And a young rookie, it's not like he was 26, right? Um, played abroad and come back or 27. You know, Frankie was like 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, he wasn't all three. Obviously, he was around there, you know. Um, you know, first, second year pro type thing gets called up. Um, and, I mean, you think about what pace that's. It's almost a goal every second game. So you're, you know, you're, you're a rookie. I don't know what the expectations are for a sixth rounder that you didn't even think was going to be on your team, but that's almost on pace for it's mid thirties. Now, maybe he wouldn't have kept it up, but he only had 11 more to go to 20. I don't know any rookies that get 20 goals. You really, you know, like I, I just can't do the math. <clears throat> now, Frankie comes to Newfoundland once in a while. And I'd, I'd only met him a couple times in passing. I don't really know him. Or I didn't that well. Uh, he was here last year before all this. And, he, you know, he called out of nowhere. He said, you want to go out and have a chat? And I love that because if you haven't noticed, I like chatting. Um, but anyway, so we got talking. And I forget the reason. I forget, He had some really interesting stories. It was since then I wanted to have him on. But one thing led to another. Um, so it's a year late here, but. It is fascinating. I won't act like I remember exactly what the story was, but he did get fucked a little bit, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but nonetheless, a fantastic career, traveled all over the world, scoring wherever he went, and lives in Cincinnati now. That's where he settled down. So, like I said, man, hockey is just the vehicle. Cincinnati's a great city, by the way. Before I went there, I didn't realize it. But, you know, if, if, you, if you could you know, come up through the small town, Canada, I believe he's from Callahoo, Alberta. Um, not that there's, I love Alberta too, but you know, you come up, uh, you know, you travel the world, you get opportunities and he works now. Cincinnati is just a great city. It's on the Kentucky border. I, I went, I played in Cincinnati for, I, I got injured, but I was there for um, three months at least. And uh, what a blast. My, my assumption was that it was going to be this like dirty industrial kind of overcrowded place. Again, I think I was only going on the opening credits to WKRP in Cincinnati. I think I, I hate to say it, but I had really nothing else to go by and the odd skyline when there was a Reds game on TV, but I, I got there and it was just fantastic. We're the East coast league. It was funny because when I played there, I was coming back, trying to get back from my injury, and I played for the East Coast League team. Now, they also had an AHL. I mean, don't say this city doesn't love hockey. They had an American Hockey League franchise and an East Coast League franchise, and so the East Coast League is a level down, right? Double A, triple A, you know, for those that don't know. It's the easiest way to explain it. And 
the Mighty Ducks was Anaheim's farm team. And they played like, uh, okay, I, I lived in Cincinnati and I don't even know where they played. Like it was way outside. It was a half hour if it was a minute from our rink. And we played as the East Coast League team right downtown. There was three huge sports facilities. Um, what was the name of our rink? Was it U.S. Bank Arena or was that Idaho? I get mixed up. In any case, it was down, you know, it was, we played right next to us was the Cincinnati Bengals where they played. And right next to that was the Cincinnati Reds. It was like three uh, similar buildings all right there. Um, so if you didn't know like a whole lot about hockey, you would definitely think we were a level ahead of the Mighty Ducks, even though it was the other way around because they played in a much, I mean, I, I hate, saying shittier rink it wasn't as nice it was way out of town it wasn't as nice the rink we played in could have had an nhl team it was fabulous had some great times there too even though in the short time we ended up re retiring pete rose's jersey because baseball wouldn't there was a big kerfuffle and uh, anyway he came into the rink and told us some unreal stories i talked to him for probably four hours i'm not kidding you he came right in the tunnels with us although he came on the bench we, we you know I, I don't think he was supposed to when he came on the bench he just loved it um and he loved it i can go on and on he should be in the hall of fame god um anyway so uh yes frank i, I loved cincinnati it's right on the the what river is it? Like the Ohio River? I, I'm guessing the Ohio River is around there. But the, our rink also, so right next to all that was the big river going through. And there was river boats. So like after a game, I remember a couple times getting on the river boat and, you know, gambling. Like the movie, I think there's a movie years ago, like a shyster kind of, I don't know, it's, I, I, I don't know what kind of, what, how, a maverick, I think. Uh, and I played on the St. John's, James, St. John's Maple Leafs, and it used to be DJ Smith's, the coach of Ottawa now, his favorite movie, uh, Maverick. Mel Gibson was in there. Anyway, guy was a bit of a shyster. I think he played cards or whatever, but it was that kind of boat that would be out on the river, like this river boat that you could listen to music. Or, well, it was a lot of gambling on there, and it was on the other side of the river was Kentucky. So we'd often drive over into Kentucky, a lot like, you know, you think Kentucky, you think at least me, I was thinking like this warm kind of spot down south. And then I think Cincinnati is way more north. You know, well, Kentucky is the state and then Cincinnati is an Ohio state. But when I thought Cincinnati, I would think like way more north and industrial and cold. I don't know why. Again, in my experience, it was probably just WKRP, but it's right there. It's like one minute. You just drive over the the bridge. Uh, great weather most of the year. Fantastic sports there because they support their hockey. And even in Kentucky at the time, right? You had Lexington had a team and so did um, Louisville. That's where I went to those who read my books. The Breeders' Cup was in um, Louisville, but we drove there a couple of times actually on teams I was on. But, you know, it's right there. It's it's beautiful weather, big trees, um, lots of bodies of water. Really enjoyed my time. Frankie's coming on in five minutes. So <clears throat> I always forget to get to these uh, questions and it's hard for me to track them down, guys. I don't get all of them. I got every platform. I got like 50. I have no organization. Like my podcast should kind of have its own page maybe. 
but it's only me going to be at it. And I don't have the time, um, my book maybe, but should have its own thing, but it doesn't. I go through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'm my book. I'm representing my podcast and I'm representing myself. So I get, honestly, it's overwhelming. I I have to sit down each day and go, okay, I'm going to go through my messages and it's two and three hours. I get like, Hey, it's not, I've done it to myself because there's so many people. I got a lot of personal messages on there. Then I'll get like, you know, a lot of people just want to shoot the shit. Then I get a lot of questions for this show. Then, you know, you get your typical um, solicitors or whatever. And then anyway, there's categories I try to put them in, but it's, it's getting overwhelming. So I often don't answer all these questions, and I'm sorry. But anyway, Lucy, who lives in Ontario, I'm not sure where, was going by the email. She wanted to know if I noticed the speed difference when I got to the NHL. And that's an interesting question. Because even though it seems obvious, I haven't answered it much or talked about it much. And all I do is talk. Yeah, man, it's huge. Um, Or a woman. Um, A huge, huge difference. It was the biggest thing for me. I found the American League was just a little step up from the WHL, at least at the time, being major junior. That was a big step. I remember like going from minor hockey to junior. And like I said, I played junior A after my year of minor hockey, which was a huge step. But I was really kind of knew it and I was nervous. And I went out in camp and, and you know, was up northern BC. It, it, it was good hockey, but... It, you would think that would be the biggest jump, peewee to that. But it probably was, but I was prepared for it. And, you know, it was probably so obvious that I didn't notice it as much. I went to Major Junior from Cornell. And that, I remember going, okay, fast in the way that the puck was moving around. Like, gone were the days then that I'd take it and go in. And Cornell, you know, or peewee especially. But, you know, my Junior A days, I was 14, 15. But, you know, I... I, I, I lugged it. I, I was our leading scorer those years. So I'd get it behind the net and I'd go. Right. And it, I, the, the, it, I'm not trying to brag when I say this. It was any centerman that's on the first line might tell you the same thing, no matter what league they're in. You know, I, I would dictate kind of the control or, or I'd try to dictate the speed of the game going on around me um, as best I could, I guess. And, that, and a lot of that was subconscious. You're just out there playing. And you don't notice it because it's your speed. Then in junior, same thing. Or junior or major junior, sorry, Tri Cities. Pucks, boom, boom, boom. It's moving around. I, yeah, I wasn't going to go back and get it and try to go around everybody anymore, and not go around everybody. But I'm saying you'd get it and log it, and and you know, generally teams have guys that do that. Think Patrick Kane, McDavid when they get it. Um, not that I was those guys, but you know, first. Your, 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 go, your go-to guys on any team, right? I mean, even Jonathan Drouin does it. You, you go back behind the net. For those that don't know hockey, usually on the power play kind of thing, like that kind of a breakout, but it often happens even strength. It's a control breakout. So often in a lesser league, I would get it and go, and until I run into any resistance, then I'll pass it. And I'm not saying I was hogging it, but you often don't until the other end of the ice, right? But till the at least the far blue line. But that changed in major junior. Still, you know, started the here and there, uh, not not get away with it as much, so I wouldn't even try it as much. But it happens, you know. Damon Lankow was our centerman, my centerman, and even he wouldn't really go end to end, but he'd lug it. But time with the puck a lot, 
we both had the puck on our sticks a lot. Uh, but then you go, okay, because NHL came before the AHL kind of for me. Um, I, and camp is camp. You still really don't get, like, I went to camp, and I remember going, holy shit, like, Mark Recchi's fast, right? Um, Pierre Turgeon is really good. He can skate real fast with the puck doing these magical things. But it was camp. So there's us juniors, and there's lesser players that are in the minors and stuff and, and walk-ons. So they're slowing those guys down almost. But when you, when it starts getting narrowed down and it's like the later days of camp and, you know, a lot of guys that you once considered not fast, but you know, they're, they certainly weren't slow, but they start getting cut. I remember 96, 97, right? Cause I made it. I just didn't, like I said, they wanted me to practice all year for that reason. For that very reason, it's fast. So, like, you know, one of the last days there, we were there. They had to cut it down to whatever, 20-odd. And uh, Steve Shutt came over to me and Darcy Tucker. And Jacques LaPerriere, actually, and said, hey, you guys should get a place together. We were elated. Um, he said, you know, you're going to. But Tux was going to play more than I because he had a game a year in the AHL. But so I was kind of, I played just a little tiny couple games, a little small sample size after my junior year, 95, 96 AHL games. But it was fast. It was playoffs. I mean, the time went by fast and everything. So I didn't really have much to go by. I knew it was fast, but it wasn't much different than junior. No offense to the AHL, but it was just guys were a little older and stronger. But when it gets narrowed down in the show, oh my, like anybody says any different. I, I, I don't know either. They, I, I, I don't know. I, I hate to say they're lying, but I don't know who does say different, but I've heard some people, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. I'm like, what? I mean, from the perspective of all of a sudden, the puck is buzzing. Like, not only is Mark Recchi fast, but he's giving it to Saku Koivu, who's dropping it to Valerie Bure and your Vladimir Malakoff over to Craig Revain. It's just like, actually, Rivy was one of the guys like me that had to kind of get used to it. Not that he couldn't play, but I remember him really saying, hey, kid, man, like, Rivy was a couple years older than me, and he was like, hey, it's going to get fast. And it was fast. Like, just the whole game is fast. It's almost like it feels like, you know, you often think of it, a lot of people listen to this play like rec hockey. You know, you get it, and you skate with it, and then you got to think, you know, and it's so that whole whole situation is so slow compared to what happens up there. All that has to go 100 miles an hour faster. Once it does, though, it feels great because I remember like it took me like maybe a month or two, but then I was like, wow, you know, you go out there and you just start snapping it around. You're going, you start finding out roots. And, and when the, the roots become subconscious and roots in the NHL are way different than junior, like I said, junior, I can go anywhere. Uh, and, and it's just more watered down. Like there's, and there's the coach would kind of give me the free reign to do it because we were plus players. Lanks and I were plus 27. What are you going to say? We're not good enough defensively. You know what I mean? We, I, we were up there in the league. Plus 27. So it, 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 I'm not saying that we didn't have a stern coach, Bob Lauks, just one of them, but he was my main coach in junior. He was great. And But, but you know, you can just do more with the puck. But up in the NHL, it become okay, these are, I got to stick to my route because the puck might come there, and if I'm not there, it's my fault. Boom, boom, boom. And then... Now, as you're going, you're weaving in and out and you're realizing the roots and 
and skating with your head down, right? Like for me, looking down to take a pass coming out of the zone, that takes a while to get used to because you never know how much time you got. And if you don't, if you don't give the D-man respect, he's going to step into you and open ice hit you. So I remember that was, but once you, hard to get used to, but once you get used to all those things, it's some great feeling of confidence. I remember like, you know, by, by November, December, even though I was practicing, I getting the odd game in, I was going, I'm an NHLer, right? It was unfortunate. I fucking so upset more than anything that the timing of the injury. I mean, I'm glad I got some games, but I just, I, 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 I was just turning that corner, you know, like then the, so I, I played that year and I, I was kind of excited towards the end of it. Cause I, I called my dad and mom. I remember like, I'm used to it. The biggest thing was speed. It takes months, you know, to go back to your question. But once you feel, once you got it and you're part of that well-oiled system, it's almost symbiotic. Everybody's osmosis. They're just puck goes here, puck. And then the odd time, someone, someone, steps a foot or two away from where they're supposed to be. It opens up. The ice opens up just a little bit and boom, Koivu jump on a goal or, or, or Dom Foose or Corson or whoever. And then it's like, wow. And, and you just realize then any open ice at all, you just got less time. So you adjust accordingly. But if you put enough time in, you, you adjust quicker than others, I guess. And my, I know my stats wouldn't, reflect it but i was i was just i just wasn't playing a lot but i was used to it i remember being so excited going now i'm confident like i can go out there on the power play whatever and it wasn't the case at first i'm telling you this for a long time i was totally nervous scared with the puck i just it was just a grenade i was thinking like a nightmare for me would be like put me on for the three on twos like right off the bat with Turjan and Recky. after a while that was nice but I was just so nervous man I didn't even think I deserved to be in the forum it's just this and and again I I wanted to have confidence but it was mesmerizing for me the, the speed just wasn't all of it it was just the players that were there and these guys like you know hall of fame guys around me and I I just didn't feel I felt like an imposter they call it like imposter syndrome or something that's how I felt um no, I, I realized it was natural, and I figured I'd get out of it. And I did, although you'd never know it. But it, it was beneficial in a way that year when I was 19 to be up for so many months practicing. And, you know, I, I think I got four games in. But because the next year when I went to the AHL, it did, it did seem slower to me. So whereas most people, you know, that had never played any pro at all were going into the AHL and getting adjusted to that, I guess confidence is everything. And I had confidence. I went down thinking, you know, I'm used to the NHL and uh, yeah, I did all right. Just my first year. Um, I mean, like I said, my first year in the AHL, I was rookie of the year for our team and uh, I was runner up for a conference too. I think Michael Hanzoos got it. Um, but, you know, I wasn't really thinking like that. I just wanted to make it. I, I was thinking, try to get 20 goals in 200 penalty minutes. And that's what I did. I had 21 and 256. And I missed 12 games, I think. So I was happy with those numbers. Well, like Frank was on pace outside of the fighting for those numbers for 20 goals. Like in the NHL, after 40 games, he was on pace for almost 40 goals in the NHL. And he never got back. Oh, God, I still find it absurd. 
but maybe there's a great reason for it. Um, we'll find out soon. Um, I gotta, I gotta mention this just because it's mesmerizing, or it's blowing me away. The the Buffalo Sabers. I don't know why, but they're almost like a nothing. It's like Florida Panthers. They're out of sight, out of mind. They've been so bad for so long, right? And they got the odd guy that you like watching. Like I, I like love watching this Barkoff guy and Huberto is awesome. But you never see any Florida games. But those guys' creativity and the way they play is art. It's art. And I feel kind of the same against Buffalo, although I don't think as much of their players. Say what you want about Eichel, whatever. I, I don't know. I find him streaky, typical Yank in that not everybody's a typical Yank, right? Uh, there's typical Newfoundlanders. There's typical everything. I'm just saying. Hockey-wise, like that Kyle or Cole Caulfield guy with Montreal. Chewing his mouth guard and chirping guys, little pissant skating around. I don't, something. I mean, I got nothing against Americans in the sport. BJ Young's, like I said, rest in peace. One of my best. Patrick Kane's one of my favorite players ever. It's just these typical Yanks, right? And I don't know if Eichel's one, but he seems to have this smug, cocky confidence that I don't know why it's there. I mean, you went second overall, didn't you? You're supposed to get 70 or 80 points. These these athletes, and I hear he wants out. And again, I, I, I think he's a great player, though. I don't like watching him, though, as much as Barakoff or Huberto. I'm sorry, I don't. And they're stacked with what? Old guys, Stahl and Taylor Hall and... Not that they're that old, Taylor Hall, but I, I don't know. I, and I, I liked all these players on their respective teams. I'm not that down on Eichel, I guess. I just, I hear that he wants out, but I don't know what these athletes, man. Like, it, it crosses all sports. James Harden comes to mind. And I love watching these athletes. They're elite, but, you know, they, they want to get traded. They want out of a situation. I don't want to put words in Eichel's mouth either. This is just listening to sports shows and hearing rumblings. But, you know, you signed a huge contract with a bad team. So do the math. They decided you were going to be the guy that they were going to build around. Is it Billy Guerin is in there in Buffalo now? It was Botterill. Um, I, I should do research, whatever. It's one or the other. I think Aaron went in and made some, you know, some splashes. Something needed to happen. I respect the fact that they went out and got Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl. And, but, I mean, you can't say you didn't try to surround Eichel with decent players. Dylan Cousins is in there now. Uh, that Rasmus Stalin, is it? I don't know. They got some good players. But they're just always a dumpster fire. It's amazing. Like, in my mind, the Buffalo Sabres are just bad, right? Death, taxes, and the Sabres are going to suck. I mean, I don't get it either. And Buffalo seems like a decent spot. Now, if I was in the show, I'd love to play somewhere like that, right? Like, not a huge city, but great fans because of that. Um, you can do a lot in communities like that, right? To, to, I like feeling part of a community. Uh, it's it's decent weather there, real close to Toronto, and you know a lot of Ontarians in the NHL love visiting Buffalo for that reason. 
It always seems to be when I'm there a, a decent vibe. I, I I don't know. I just yet they they they're horrible. I don't know what else. I don't know who else there is to fire. I don't know what else there is to do. I don't know. Just change the jerseys for the the, the funnest time. Um, times I remember on record thinking about the Sabres is when they have a new jersey. And the best team they had, Hasek took them to the final in the late 90s. I think they went to the final. I was astounded by Dominic Hasek. I've still never seen anything reflexive like that. Um, a goalie like that reflexive, I mean. Um, but, you know, he was the dominator. He got them there. I think they lost four straight, but they made it to the final. But, you know, with those jerseys, I, I, I don't know. I, I just... I. It's a dumpster fire, and I'm not going to say I'm sick of it. Just it finally dawned on me today that I'm 44 years old. The majority of my life, like you, you might even say as a Leafs fan, but there's been reasons to watch the Leafs. The last, my dad talks about Jill Perot like he's the second coming of sliced bread. <laughs> that's, that's not even a saying. <laughs> second coming of sliced bread. I'm going to go with it, even though it makes no sense. The second coming would have been fine. But uh, anyway, I'd love to see them be a competitive team, especially when all this is over, because I'm in Ontario quite a bit, and I do like driving to Buffalo the odd time and watching a game. I loved playing in there. Um, and they've had exciting players, Matthew Barnaby and uh, one of my favorites, Brad May, come to mind. Danny Breer was great to watch. I mean, I could go on and on. I, I, I just don't get it. They're every year, I mean, you could say it about the Oilers in a way, but they're, they're, at least they're a bit, bit, they got pasted the other night again, but they're in a much better place than Buffalo. I can't believe I'm saying that. But, you know, and, and Edmonton, the odd time, will get in. Or when, when were they in the final? In 2006? Around then. Um. So even though it's a long time ago, just and, and then, you know, they were a dynasty in the 80s, which is a long time ago, but at least that happened. With Buffalo, I mean, I don't know. They're just there. They're just Buffalo, right? I guess you cheer for them. We live here. We got to cheer for them. I, I don't know. Show me something. If I live in Buffalo, I wouldn't be a hockey fan. Just show me something, guys. Show me something. And by the way, Eichel has two goals in like 18 games. So, or more, 20 games, is it? So, I see no reason for him to be upset. That's not good. If you've got more than that, and they went out and got Taylor Hall, he's got two. Eric Stahl got like one. Right? These are the main dudes that they brought in to score this year. Well, I mean, again, I know... Stahl's probably a little different. They don't expect as much out of him as Hall, and they don't expect as much out of Hall as Eichel. But I hear Eichel's upset. Like I said, trade him. Trade him. Why? You're the guy we gave all this money to. You're the guy that went second overall. We're building our team around. You're the captain. Right? Yet, yet, 20 defensemen in the division have more points than or more goals than you do. Two. I mean, two. 
right? I that happens though. People go in slumps. But what's first, the chicken or the egg here? Are are you saying you want out because the team sucks? Or do you have a huge contract and the team sucks because you've got two goals? I could put any hockey player. I just talked about how fast it is, and it is, and it's great. But I could put a bantam up there, and in 20 games, it might bounce off him and go in the net that much. I would think anybody on my senior hockey team could have two goals. They might suck. They might be minus 80. I'm just saying, if you, how much time has he been on the ice? God. I mean, Trent Glatt would have two by now. Right? I know there's slumps, but again, you're you're blaming other people? Jesus. Two. Two hit you. and If you're skating in front of the net, two are going to bounce off you and go in. Ask Austin Matthews. Guy's a machine. But, you know, he's people say right place, right time a lot. Well, there's a reason for that because he's going there constantly. And once 20, 25 games go by, it's 60 minutes a game, and you're out there almost half of it. You would think in just those parameters, it's a boundary. You can't go like the puck is here. I mean, he's playing a lot. Two. Anyway. Uh, let's get to Frankie Bantam. I got a lot to talk about always, but if I got to all of it, it'd be a 10 hour podcast, wouldn't it? I'm going to try to shut up for this one. So you can hear from one of the best scorers to ever take the ice in the Western Hockey League. And uh, definitely one of the few National Hockey League players that have less than 30 games played and nine goals. In any case, Frankie Bantam coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week is a goal-scoring machine highlighted by an 83-goal campaign in the WHL in 1995-96 and nine goals in only 21 games in his rookie season and only season of significance in the NHL, which is wild. He's been paid to score goals all over the world from Saskatoon to Helsinki. He is a serious sniper, a great goal scorer, a sharp shooter, a personable pro, a wise winger, an honorable, an honorable opponent, and a wild westerner. He's got lots of soul and loves scoring goals. He uses Google Maps and was drafted by the Caps. A steal of a pick. He went in round six. He once dated a girl named Janet and traveled all over the planet. He can pick corners like a robot with a cannon for a shot. His productive best was when he played out west. He'd score lots of goals consistently per annum. Ladies and gents, here it is. The great Frank Bannum. What's up, Frankie? What's up, TR? That was awesome, brother. Appreciate that. Not Poetic. much. Tell, tell us what you're up to. You're in. I know you're you're in your middle of your workday here, so I'm going to get the important ones out first. But tell us who you or where you are. So I'm in Northern Kentucky here, just uh, over the uh, river from downtown Cincinnati. So back when I played out here, uh, stayed out here one summer, and I've been here now in this area 22 years, and then. Since I retired in 16 full-time now. That's amazing. I, I, in my preamble there, I talked about it a bit. I love the area. Before I went to Cincinnati, and I played a few months there. I, I ended up having to retire because of an injury. But I played a few months there in the early 2000s. I believe 02 or 03. And 
I expected, I don't know why. I don't know why. I didn't know it was so close to Kentucky, first of all. I had this, in my mind, Cincinnati was way more north than anywhere in Kentucky. Um, and I don't know if it was from the opening credits to WKRP. It's really the only vision I had. Or like before a Reds game. I just thought it was industrial. I was smokestacks. And I just, I thought it was a bit of a hole for lack of a better way to put it. And when I went there to play, it was the most pleasant surprise outside of Seattle. The first time that I've ever been to, geographically that I've ever been to. I just love it. What did you fall in love with it? Or did you fall in love with a girl there or both? Uh, it was both. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd stayed here one summer. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town of Kalahoo of 75 to hundred people. You know, I was uh, at that time, I think, 21, 22. It was How like, far is Kalahoo outside of Calgary? Uh, it's about 20 minutes northwest Edmonton, 25 minutes. Maybe. Edmonton. Okay. I, yeah. I, yeah. I know there's I, – I, it's killing me here. Who else is from there? There's there's an NHLer from there I came across, older than us. I forget. Craig Berube. And, ah, uh, that's and, it. And, yeah. And Ian Mitchell now, who made the Hawks this year. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. From that, from a small place. But anyway, that's why it was yeah. in my mind. And I thought it was outside of Calgary. Sorry about that. So go ahead. Yep. Yeah. So here in, uh, in Cincinnati, I uh, was 21, 22. I was like, you know, do I go home? All my buddies moved away from home. I'd found a trainer here and uh, just over the, over the river in Northern Kentucky, uh, Jamie Ram, a uh, good friend of mine, old goalie here that we played together. Um, we spent the summer here. And I loved it. I just loved the people, um, the area, you know, all the people are down to earth, cost the living's good. Um, just fell in love with it. And then um, met a girl here. Um, I met my wife at the Ludlow Bromley Yacht Club. And everyone uh, always says, oh, that sounds uh, fancy. But it's uh, it's not as fancy as it sounds. It's a uh, it's an old barge that was on the river that's no longer there. Um got ran over by a barge so um but yeah we'd, we'd met there and uh actually my my wife and sister-in-law um or my sister-in-law's uh, and her husband met there and um so we call it the love boat <laughs> <laughs> well it's i if i haven't reiterated it 10 times already i i love the area the other thing i i noticed that i didn't expect the things that stand out to me in certain cities are just things I didn't expect. And the thing I didn't expect about there, outside of the weather and the pretty scenery and, and the location, cloak being close to Kentucky, the whole area, though, now, I'm not just talking about Cincinnati, is the opportunity for hockey players. Like I was asked, I, I, I mean... I came in, I'd been a bit of a hockey name if you're in the hockey world, but, you know, it was the East Coast League when I went there and people treated you great. And I was offered to be a real estate agent um, to, to go to school. There was just so many people that embraced you as a hockey player. I felt I'm like, I can see why people would stay here. I, I, I think there's probably more opportunity here than a lot of other places I played. And I'd only been there for three months. Maybe I'm wrong. Are there a lot of ex-players around? Yeah, there is um, not as many as some of the areas, but yeah, there's there's a few of us uh, around, um, and it's probably why there's there's you know other opportunities outside of hockey in the area because there's not many many pro hockey players in the area. You know, you look at the 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 NHL in the last 120 years, there's only 7,000 guys to ever play one game. 
right? And probably right. 3,500 of them still alive. So um, there's probably about maybe three, four, five of us. Uh, Blaine Stoughton, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, Old I, I, yeah I remember. Um, him and I coached together last year. He has a granddaughter playing and um, there's a lot of fun listening to his old stories and, you know, going on the road with him. But um, he's one in town, Don Biggs. Um, yeah. Who his son was Tyler Biggs. He's, he's around. Um, um, PEI guy, uh, the goalie. Um, just saw him the other day, actually. Um, oh, God. Did he play in the West? Panthers. Did he play in the Western League? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He played for Tacoma. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I know. Blank. I couldn't believe it when I played against him out there. He's the only other Atlantic Canadian. There was a guy on Portland, I think, Denny Godet or Godet, I think. Because yeah, yeah. I would really notice it when I was out there. I'm like, whoa, I, in Tacoma, and I'm playing against this. Was it McDonald or Mick something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mc, Todd McDonald. Sorry. Todd yeah. McDonald. Yeah. yeah, and Randy Petruck, he's out here. Um, oh, yeah, Randy. Now, I, I know Randy yeah, pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Randy was Randy was sixteen, and I gave him he's, my fake he still ID. gives me a he still gives me a hard time about uh, we played them game seven in the WH WHL final uh, Kamloops versus uh, Saskatoon, and um, we'd won game six out there to make it game seven. Wow! And then game seven was uh, we got we got blown out. It was seven one. And I was sick of that song. Uh, what was the one? Taking care. Taking of care was, of business. Oh yeah. Yeah. 15 times it, we heard it would one come day. on the radio three, four years later. I had to, had to change the station. <laughs> well, you guys took them seven. We, the year before, because they won, I tell people, I'm like, I don't know, like, I happen to come out of that era. We were proud of our team in Tri Cities. I said, we, we ran into the best team ever in junior, arguably. You won three out of five or six Memorial Cups, right? Oh, so, yeah, they were incredible. Yeah. They, the same thing. The year before, we took them six. We were proud of that. We, and we, we came back to Tri City. We beat him in Kamloops. We, 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 our, our owner, Ron Toygo, got us flights. I think, it, I think in the end it screwed us because, yeah, it was a little bit bad, but I didn't, they kind of got word of it and they got to the rink and Don Hay made a big deal. They got flights and we didn't and we're the Kamloops Blazers and they beat us right around that seven or eight to one. But yeah. you guys went seven. You had to win three against those guys. That's not easy. How was the series? No, it was, it was um, that back then it was, you know, we played two there because they had home ice advantage. So we would bust out there from Saskatoon, um, play two, came back to Saskatoon to play three, then went back out there for two. And um, Was it rough? You guys, I really noticed that playing. Like, it, it, we'd play your, your division twice a year, but God, I mean, just coming to mind, you were Rhett Warner, who's as tough as anybody, but he's my size. Then you got yeah. Wade Belak was playing D and Chris McAllister. And I'm forgetting guys, but the, I remember Simpson. looking at them and going, wow, like almost like if we dump the puck in guys, which normally is the go-to default setting, we're probably going to get dummied, right? So let's not do that. <laughs> you guys had a tough squad, yeah, we, man. You know, we, oh, yeah. We, you know, we weren't a talented team. We were just um, little blue-collar, meat, potatoes, hard-working team with um, a decor, like you said, just, you know, tough as anyone in the league we had um todd simpson and Lack and yeah. rhett warner um McAllister, chris McAllister, mark watton mark watton who was who was the leader of us um who else do we have there 
uh, Chad Allen, another really good player. That, that's six right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, most people don't have six good D like that in the run of their whole junior career. Most of those guys were on the one year. And it, like, just what I remember, you guys just had a team tough. Like, I remember the most impressed I was on your team, um, outside of you, of course. Uh, but I was waiting for Dial because people were talking about, you know, guys I knew, I guess, knew him being closer to my age. And, you know, talking about how good he was. And, and he was, but I was blown away by Clark Wilm. He was two-way. You couldn't get free. Uh, you know, just the epitome of the Western League at that time. A, a, a third line. Kind of, well, he was first, but, you know, a, a typical kind of grinder with a bit of talent that would make life hard on you. And you guys had kind of a t He kind of represents, you know, emblematic of your whole team. Yeah, Willie, he um, – I actually, Willie was the one player that I played together on a line all four years. Wow. I didn't know yeah, that. I just, he, yeah. He was, he was a uh, tough as nails, as you said, and, and, you know, great team player. Um, and then actually our last year when we had a really good year, you know, I had 80 DL had 60 and, and Clark, he had 50 is when uh, all three of us had played together and we moved, uh, they moved Clark to the wing and DL played center because um, Clark, he had had a bad shoulder that year. Um, but we just had that instant chemistry right off, right off the hop, and um, it was it was a fun year playing with them too. But Frankie, um, <laughs> so that's I mean, I knew you. You had fifty the year before. You had 80, 83 You had so this is what I say that to people now. Remember, you came over to Newfoundland. We'll get into that year, just over a year ago, I guess. I think I, I can't remember a yep. year and a half ago, and. Um, we had the chat and I went and looked, I'll bring it up on my phone in a sec. When I, you know, so I, I posted the picture and people are going, ah, oh, Frankie Bannum, I think I heard of him. And you know, younger guys. And I'd tell, I'd say, and I go, he had 83 going, whoa, 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 what? And they said, well, wasn't everybody getting a hundred back then? Cause like the Western league had some really crazy years. Ray Farrow had 108. Now I know he's yeah. 15 years older than us, but still it happened. So I think people classify that all together as this era that people were doing that and they weren't. No one else had over 70. I looked at it earlier today. Um, there was a couple had 60. One was on your line. And then there yeah. was a sprinkle of 50s. But there was nobody. You were yeah. way, way ahead of the pack. So I go back a few years yeah, before that. Again, right? I would have been second. Yeah. Yeah. With second, with nearly 20 less, man. That's huge. So to get to this point, I guess I'm going to catch everybody up fast. But you come from Callahoo. What happens there? Are you playing minor hockey in Edmonton? I assume you are. And do you get noticed by Saskatoon right off the bat and you just go there and it's a match made in heaven? Tell us about how that all came to be. Yeah, so I grew up in a you know, small town of Calhoun. I played all my youth hockey there. Um, you know, then when, you know, I was in our team, it was the same, uh, same hockey team as the baseball team every year. You know, we had just enough guys, 12 guys. Um, and, uh, so once I reached uh, Bantam level, it was like, okay. And at that point, I was looking like, you know, the team I looked at and that looked up to was the Callahoo Junior Scorpions, which was our junior team, which was junior, junior B. Junior and B, I was yeah, yeah. yeah. Junior B at best. So I was looking at that possibility for my first year Bantam. And then, um, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, going to St. Albert to play Bantam AAA there. Um 
which almost didn't work out because back then you they didn't allow you to uh, to play out of the area. So I actually had to move to St. Albert for for a month and go to school there. And I was like, all right, you know, this is wow. Had enough of this. I'm going back home to Calhoun, and uh, which is you know only 20 minutes away. But isn't that silly? Right? Yeah. Isn't that silly how they do that? And you're looking at a kid. And clearly there's one situation and another, and they were going to cut you off because you're 20 minutes away. Anyway, still goes yeah. on. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But then no, they, they actually changed the rule. Then I'm like, okay, he can, you know, I was going to leave. They're like, okay, no, we'll change it. He can play. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. So I played one year there. Um, then I went to Spruce Grove, which was now in my region. They had a, a AAA program that started up. Um, so played a year there and then, you know, from there I went on to uh, With Nathan Dempsey. Old, isn't he from there? Uh, Nathan, yeah, he's from Spruce Grove, but he's Nathan. I think is either a year older or a year younger. So we didn't play together. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, yeah. There's um, so I just played one year there. That was the year like we had, you know, Lankow was playing then, um, Darcy Tucker, Tyson Nash. There were some some pretty good players in the area. Lisa Rokin. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. The Healy, uh, Healy out of Sherd Park, mm. a lot of good players. We had a lot of guys from Tri Cities were from around that area, but Mark and Mike Hurley, I became real, real good friends with, and I'd go back and I still look at the all kinds of guys. Jason Pinolan went from Vernon to Sherwood Park. A lot of that was going on, and you guys got such a hockey hotbed. Like everybody around here was aware of my story because I went from here to BC. But really, yeah. I was only kind of doing the same thing. I, we just have no major junior anywhere close, so I had to go somewhere on the map. And when I went to Vancouver, Tri Cities were there and, and put me up in Quinell, and kind of the same thing to play junior and just go to a place with a bit more opportunity. Yeah. But all well, kinds but of guys were kind of moving around. Like Mike Dubinsky was telling me about it, how. Anyway, it's interesting because that hockey that was being played, you know, for five or six year span, I mean, forever, but for the guys I know at that particular time, I mean, you guys were playing some serious level hockey. So it's no wonder yeah. that the and a lot of that is credit to that was when the Oilers had their dynasty, right? True. They were, um, you know, so a lot of credit goes towards that. On, I never thought on, about it like that on, on how the level just was so high back then. Um, you know, you got the Oilers there and even the Flames back then, um, you know, they were, they'd won a cup um, in that span. So, you know, all of Alberta was kind of a hotbed at that point with, with hockey and, and players developing and growing up watching the Oilers and the Flames. And, um, yeah, because I, I look back now, there was, a, there was a lot of good players coming out of Alberta then. 44 years old, played hockey out west. Edmonton's a second home, and I never thought about that point. Honestly, no wonder. I mean, it's a lot of people are playing hockey anyway, but if you're going to yeah. the Oilers or representing your city, you're probably going to get the most out of that, right? You're going to maximize oh, yeah. your potential as a minor hockey system because everybody wants to play. Yeah, and I, I see it here down in the U.S. now, even uh, Nashville, how their youth programs really grown. Well, that was after, you know, they had the – good good run in the cup and and then even uh with chicago uh which was already you know pretty big in the hockey um market at, to begin with but when the the hawks started winning them cups you see that the youth program's really growing so it's funny how that 
know, coincides with each other. Frankie, how about Phoenix? Just think about it. Like Phoenix goes, it, it, the, the places that I notice it, and you played overseas. I'll, I'm going to get there in a sec. But I, Phoenix, for example, now Austin Matthews isn't an anomaly. But clearly, because there's a lot from there. Like, I never really gave it much thought. And I remember uh, recently just kind of looking, and there's a bunch of people now getting drafted from Phoenix. I talked to Damon Lankow a couple months ago. He was, he was visiting northern Alberta. He's got a kid, and they go up there and play, whatever. I don't know. What, I think be, I guess if it's pandemic, he's probably up here for the time being. We didn't get into it. He was visiting the Hurleys that I just spoke of. Um, but anyway, um, he... Yeah. But does but, some yeah, minor with, hockey down there? What's that? Yeah, but that the, the Phoenix too. It's you see yeah. the players coming out of there. I mean, it's only probably, because think about it. The, the Winnipeg moved there. Dude, there was nobody before that, so these guys yeah. were influenced growing up, and it directly led not only to some hockey players. One one went first overall in the world, and he would never yeah. have played the sport, right? And yeah. the same thing. Yeah. In, I noticed in Switzerland, like Switzerland, remember like in recent years, recent being like the last 10 or 15, all of a sudden they were like playing Canada in division one and, and the odd tie. And you're going, what Switzerland, what happened? Well, I, going further into it and having a couple of guests on this program, I can't remember exactly who, but you, it's not far off. Just Google. It's a Google search away. The Swiss, Swiss, uh, Swiss league, the national league, which is pretty good. I mean, people go there now. Yeah. yeah. Well, they opened up their doors to more and more imports like in the eighties and the early nineties. And so more Canadians go over there. The league gets better, more money's paid in Switzerland, right? You don't think back to the seventies and think Switzerland, it just came. No. And now, right. They have a decent program, you know, who to thunk it when you got to yeah. be being run by a bunch of professional hockey players. Um, yeah. That, that, that's what happened with you know, Phoenix and Florida. Now you see with, um, yeah. Is it Jack Hughes coming to there? Well, it's all these, all of us ex, ex players retiring in those areas. So now you got the coaching for the youth level um, because you got the top players in the world living in that area coaching. Um, and that's even Switzerland. There's a lot of guys, you know, I played with Zarely Zalapski over there. Wow. And, I, yeah. I played with Zarely actually. <laughs> yeah. Here's a common denominator for you. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, God, God bless him. You know, rest in peace. Oh but, my God! Yeah, geez, Surly passed yeah. away. How did he die again? Helicopter? It a, it, no, no, it was a, it was a heart condition, I believe. Oh, and it, it was. Okay. I mean, he was the healthiest guy you'd ever meet. Fit, you know, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, took care of himself. Uh, the last year, I, uh, the year I played him was the last year he played, and then he got into coaching in Switzerland. Um, Is that what he did? But yeah, he was, he was a defenseman. Man, I don't. The stick yeah. he used, I couldn't believe how small it was. I'm like, how do you use that stick? <laughs> he had, it, I mean, his, his stick was so small. There's another he, guy I can't remember. There was him. Yeah, it was. It was like, was it like like up to his chest? I'm gonna come up with it before this ends. I played with him in Utah yeah. and another guy in Long Beach, and they both played a long time in the NHL, and I was surprised as well. Yeah, I was shocked. I mean, it was maybe up to his chest. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'll ask you now. We don't have to go in order. I, I am kind of interested in your European experience. Did you, I'll get specific later, but did you enjoy playing over there? You're over there quite a bit. I loved it, actually. I, um, you know, I was playing junior, so I was drafted by the Caps. Um, and then back then it was, 
I think the ruling was they had to offer you a contract you didn't have to sign after the after the year you were drafted. But so Washington didn't offer me anything. Um, became a free agent. So I remember talking with my coach, Lauren Mullican at the time, um, Mooner. So Mooner was saying, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, there's always the European option. So I always kind of had that in the back of my mind. Um, and then after my four years with Anaheim, that contract was, was over. Um, I looked at the option and um, I actually had signed originally in Almsgrushen. That was back before anyone was even going over there that I'd called Rod Stevens. I think it was Rod that was over there. Rocket Rod Stevens from Canada. Yeah, yeah. To ask him about it because, you know, that was back in 99, 2000. It was still the Russian super league. It wasn't the, the KHL and actually Hershey and I, we signed with Homs. Um, our agent had signed us there. So I was looking to go there. Um, and then Hershey backed out of it. He's like, no, I'm staying back here. And I'm like, well, if you're not going, I'm not going. Um, because there was so many unknowns back then. So then so many. The, a, a team in Finland had an uh, option came up with that. I didn't know much about it. Um, and it was actually, you know, from playing with uh, Solani that that um, vouched for me to go over there. So uh, I went over and signed with a um, team just outside of Helsinki, Espo Blues, and, and loved it. I actually improved more in that season than I did four years in the American League wow. in the NHL. You know, you, you only play 56 games there. Because the um, bigger ice? Well, no, just the practicing uh, and oh, the wow. bigger ice, the way they train. I mean, they they do tons of off-ice training. Um, sometimes you're on the ice twice a day. But they get back to doing more of the skill stuff, which back then, you know, when we were playing, we didn't do any of that over here. We didn't have time. If we were on the ice practicing, that was all you know, working on the power play. Oh, or yeah. I went to Sweden, by the way. I went to Vastra, Sweden, two summers in a row because of all this. I know the exact training regimen you talked, Brad Brown and I went because I I was looking for something else too. Uh, anyway, yeah. not, not to cut yeah. you off, but I, I'm very familiar well, with it. We were doing hurdles and working out, stuff that they're doing now over here, but back then it was almost unheard of. Keep going. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was in the best shape of my life. I mean, the actually the next year I signed in Yokrit, which we had a – we had a, a really good team there, and um, but our training camp, I remember going over, it was, we skated twice a day, we ran twice a day, and we did weights twice a day. So you're at, we're at the rink from like 8 to 6 at night for like a month straight, nice. and it was just... Um, well, and that, nice, depending, uh, but I mean, you're going to get better as a hockey player if you want. If I was a Wiley veteran, I don't know that I'd love that. But if, if you were looking to get better and get to the NHL and, and, and by the way, I'll go back because this is interesting, but I guess if you were listening to this and I'm putting the cart before the horse. So junior, all that happens. You have a great junior career in Saskatoon. I don't want to brush over it, but we only got so much time and this where it really gets interesting for me. So when does Anna, t I mean, you played, if someone had told you your last year, junior, the next season, you'd play a few games in the NHL. I mean, you, you didn't even really know. I mean, were you signed in Anaheim? Not saying that I didn't think you were going to sign, but when you got those 83, were you signed in Anaheim then, or did they sign you after that season? They, they signed me midway. So actually, so after Washington, what happened was I became free agent. I went to, I got invited to the Devil's Camp, um, which would have been, I guess, 94, when actually they won the Calder Cup and the Stanley Cup. 
Joe Saray played on our team that yeah. year, and he got called up, and he won. <laughs> he won the Calder Cup. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I was there. Obviously, didn't you know crack either of those teams. Um, went back to junior. The next year would have been um, my overage year, and I went to um, Chicago Wolves camp. And actually, play, playing with Rob Brown and Maltese there was uh, that was a lot of fun. My my roommate was L. C. Cork, which. Wow. Uh, what are, we, those we, are three huge names. So I, I get into the uh, hotel in Chicago and I meet my roommate. And I'm talking to him for like 20, 25 minutes. And we go down for a um, kind of team meeting, introducing everyone. And the guy, uh, he announces uh, Al Secourt. And I'm like, oh man, Al Secourt's here? <laughs> and I didn't even realize that was my roommate. And uh, the nicest guy ever. Um, Oh, but I I got offered a contract there, but it was a two way contract. Um, and I don't remember Mike Pozo. Um, Pozo was there. At the I, time. I do, but wait, when you say two way with Chicago Wolves, you mean like as in the two way with, with the Wolves and the and the, <laughs> see yeah. this is where I just don't get it though. So you had the fifty, right, and then you get the eighty three. But even after the fifty, like I I don't understand how that doesn't. You don't sign. Did you, did you have an agent? Did you, I, I guess it's just astonishing to me that, you know, you figure someone would sign you. And then after 83, the East coast league shouldn't even have been on the radar. Like, but why were yeah. these, what, I mean, I, maybe you needed to improve defensively. I don't know, but if you're putting up those kind of numbers, I, I guess just, it's surprising to me. If you saw those exact numbers, any other time from somebody else, wouldn't you think so? Maybe you're just used to it because you did it yourself, but looking back, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's all areas of my game that I needed to improve, right? Like I could always score at any level. Um, but yeah, but that's what I mean. That's the hardest part of it. I can't make this, you know, I can't make a third or fourth liner a score, but I can definitely teach a score to be a bit stronger and be defensively responsible. But I guess it's just maybe my thinking on this is, different than most yeah. i guess because we played the game but you know wouldn't you think so i'd love to know that one of my prospects could score 83 goals i wouldn't care if it was midget well that well it's funny you say that because then when i went uh, i turned down the wolves offer and went back to junior for my overage year and that's when i played with the Allen wilm and, and you know we're having a, a unbelievable season and and then actually washington who drafted me tried to sign me and that's when you talk about agents when I actually switched agents because the agent at the time didn't tell me that Washington even offered me a contract. Okay. And so the you know big reason why I got drafted Washington is one of the scouts, Bud Quinn, was in Saskatoon. Um, so Bud was at a game, you know, my last year there, and he's he's walking by the locker room after the game. He says, "Hey, you know, why'd you turn that deal down from the from us yeah. from Washington?" I'm like, "What deal?" <laughs> oh god um so i didn't even know there was an offer and then i switched agents at the time and then you know my new agent tim hudson who um you know i worked with through the rest of my career really good guy he was with thunder creek and thunder creek are all good good people but uh then some other options that came up and i was a free agent which was good so uh you know it's uh, offers from washington and other teams and then decided to go with uh, with the ducks and sign with them probably midway through the season. Now, you've had 
your your career is fantastic, no matter what way you look at it. And as a friend, I'm I'm proud to know you. That's truth. But appreciate there's, that. There's just that one. I mean, I really did look up to you. I don't know if you remember this. You definitely don't remember it because it, it meant nothing to you. But I came into the league. The first thing I remember about my year when I was 16, so the first memory outside of Todd Klassen passing away and that whole thing going on in the car accident, which was real hard to take for me. I can't imagine the guys that knew him a little bit better. So that's my first memory of Tri-Cities is three months of chaos and turmoil because of that. Um, But on ice, my first memory is I'm, I'm breaking out of my zone. I, I got to the point, I, I, Junior A, I was talking about before this, Junior A, I would carry the puck a lot, and that was a difference. Ultimately, the NHL is so fast when you get up there. Well, there's, there's a step from Junior A to Major Junior, and it's that speed, and I just couldn't do it anymore. So, you know, I ended up being a winger and never really lugged the puck. No one really takes it end to end like they do in, before that, but that's what I was trying to do, man. And I got, I panicked and I went to pass it and you picked it off at the blue line and went in on a breakaway scored. We lose the game by a goal. And I, I was, and Bob, McC- Bob McCammon was our coach then. And he'd come from the NHL. So he let me have it. Like he was old school, great guy. And I loved him. I responded well to that stuff. Not everybody did, but yeah, yeah. he let me have it. Like he, he would have in an eighties Oilers dressing room. Um, but that's- I, I, I definitely owe you a beer for that one. Then I, I, really <laughs> yeah, I think you got it for me last year. <laughs> oh, it was great. I, I'm going to find it. I got Tri Cities. The fans were so nice. They yeah. were so great to us that they sent over all these scrapbooks. And as I was going through it, I think I sent you a picture a couple months ago. I had to go find that because yeah. that was the game. Well, but anyway, my, my first my first memory of you was you know when I was 16, I went to play with Fernie Coastriders. That was the first year they had a team. And that was the Rocky Mountain Junior League, and you were in Cornell. And I'll, you know, I remember hearing, oh, there's this 14 year old playing in Cornell. And yeah. the first time we went and played there, you beat up one of our tough guys. I was like, holy crap! <laughs> I remember that down in front of the net. He was, he had, he was balding, or he had short hair, or something. I remember yeah, that, vividly. So I mean, I was shocked. I'm like, this guy's 14. I'm like, holy smokes! Yeah, you know, we had uh, J- J- Jason Weimer was in the league at that time. Yeah, he was 15. Um, yeah, he was Bob Westerby. Yeah, yeah. But you would have been 14, I think. I was 16. Well, I would have been like you just said in Callahoo in your first year Bantam. You were going yeah. to play junior. Well, that's what I did. It was a huge story because I went from this coast to that. But I didn't know. Go- Tri City wanted me to go out there. I didn't know where Cornell was. I, I I went to the Vancouver Super Series, so I assumed when they said it that it was around Vancouver. And I got home; yeah. it's a little bit north. But then, you know, it's a tough town. I I needed that at the time, though. I I need. It got to the point that I, I didn't mind doing that. At first, I was terrified to fight, but I had Chris Spencer and Dave Standing and yeah. oh God Ashley Fennell. I can go down the list, but they were all real. And Ryan Marsh, a couple of us, Surrey was there with me. Went on to to, to try cities. I think that was their plan, right? Send a few of us over. Yeah. But I didn't know I'd be playing junior. Now, the thing is, that was, that, that was a definitely a tough town because I remember we played there at Halloween, and our bus is leaving, and we're getting like rocks thrown at the windows as we're leaving town. Oh yeah, like trying to rock the bus over. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It was real tough, but great. I, I didn't know this going out there, and I don't think Tri Cities cared, cared. They just wanted me out there so they could draft me. So yeah. they were like, "We'll hide you up in Cornell." That was what they told me. <laughs> 
So, yeah. but you know, there's like under 16 camps and stuff. So I was like, I don't know if that's going to fly. Like I'm going to be up there playing. They're going to say this 14 year old, if I'm playing Bantam, I'm probably going to score a little bit. I mean, I didn't know what was in store, but I'm like, if you're going to fly me all the way out there, I knew something was up anyway. You're scoring and beating up 20 year olds at 14. Well, it, it gave me great confidence. I'll, to this day, I'll yeah. say going in. I went into Tri City at sixteen. It was my third year junior. Got me a head start wow. on everybody else. But I do remember that Frank. There was a guy. Was it Mix? Tom Mix? Or I know Rushton was there. Yeah, Jason Rushton, Tom Mix. He was Mix. Was um, it? I remember yeah. you from there, but I didn't put two and two together until like much way later, like after junior. I think it was in Cincinnati. Yeah. I was out after a game and you told me. I remember Frank Bannum being in Fernie, but no, like when I was in Tri-City, I had no idea that was the same person. Like it, yeah. it just didn't dawn on me. I, I went out west, man. I didn't know anybody. and it, They were all foreign to me. Most of the yeah. people, like I didn't find out who Jason Weimer was until I talked to him years later and he said I played in. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that happening. I, I didn't know it was the same person. I didn't know anybody, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, um, things were things were a lot different back then. Obviously, like when I was thirteen, I, I was listed by Victoria Cougars back when they were in the WHL. Yeah, um, back then they didn't have the draft. So, but um, you know, as you know, you took up so many spots. So they had let me go, and then um, that's when Saskatoon put me on their list. So you were the last year of that. Yeah, yeah. After, was it, was it, after the was, listing. For those that don't know, you, you could list somebody at a young, young age, but you, they'd, they'd cost you so many points. So, like, if you wanted to list a 13-year-old, fine, but you better be sure that this is a franchise guy kind of thing, right? Because Yeah, I you, think it was five points back then. Something um, like that, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I remember the story. They explained it to me. And then after that, I guess it was just getting – it, it started to be Tri-Cities and Seattle, amongst others, but started to go outside the box and, and – they were getting players in from other, like all over the world kind of thing. I mean, I can name yeah. you five that I played with in Tri-Cities that weren't close. Brian Boucher is from Rhode Island. They went out and, you know, got him over Brent Ashcroft, decent yeah. player, you know, five years out there. Um, he's from Rochester, New York, BJ Young, a Anchorage, Scott Gomez, Anchorage. I'm from yeah, yeah. Newfoundland. Tri-City were, and, and I don't know why, but there was something to do with that was starting to happen a little too much. And, those were examples kind of the afterwards, but before that's why they made the rule. So the year after you, they started that. And when I went out there, it was like the second year of this big draft thing. And again, I didn't know much about it, but right. I certainly enjoyed my time. Now getting back to your career. So Anaheim sign you go to your first year in the A, which goes pretty well. And you get called up for your first few games. Yep. Um, the next year. So I, this is what I want to know. I really want to know the, the nine goals in 21 games. I know you told me a little bit of it, but that's incredible. Now, I know you play a few games peppered here and there, a handful after that. But there must be, like, I just can't figure it out. If Think of it even now. Even now, if a kid comes out and does that, I mean, you're, you're, if you played the whole year, I know you weren't probably going to do it, but you're on pace for, like, 40 goals and, and and so i know they worked with you a little bit but you didn't have much of a sample size after that in the nhl is there a reason did you find no, it I, I think um you know after my last year junior that was one of my best years of my career obviously uh, but i I'd, I'd had an injury and 
probably my fault is when I went to Baltimore after we'd lost out to Brandon in the playoffs, I went and finished the season in Baltimore, which was the farm team at the time. Um, and I'd felt it uh, in, the, in the series against Brandon. And what I did was I tore my stomach and groin muscle off my pubic oh, bone and no. actually actually chipped my pubic bone. Um, so, you know, you're, you're a rookie and it's your first time, like you're going to tough through it. Which you're going to tough and, through it, yeah. And then um, that summer, I was like, you know, my agent knew something was up, like skating and stuff, because I'd go back to Saskatoon, and, and then I told him, and he's like, well, we got to get doctors to look at it. So those first two years of my pro, I don't, I don't, I didn't play many games. Like I didn't, I didn't do a training camp once in those two years. It wasn't until my third year I did a training camp. So wow, I started the season actually. Um, after I finished uh, junior and, and my time with Baltimore, I didn't start till Chris after Christmas because I had to have surgery. I was doing all this rehab. Um, so actually, they started me out in Anaheim, played three games, and it was like, you know, I wasn't in any condition. Sent me down to Baltimore for the end of this season, finished the season there. Then the next year, um, well, then even after that, it wasn't 100%. So they were talking about doing surgery again. I was like, well, I don't want to do do surgery. Um, so they hired a Charles Pollockin was a, his name. He was out of Calgary. I started working with him as a trainer, and he really turned things around for me. Um, and then I started probably, you know, missed quarter of the season the following year and then and started there in Cincinnati and then had got called up towards the end of the year where I had that good year with, uh, you know, nine goals in the last 20 games. Um so, but you got to tell me about this. So I actually, oddly enough, one of my games in the NHL was one of those games you scored in Montreal. Um, yeah. Moog was in that. Moog yeah. was in that. Yeah. Andy yeah. Moog, the great Andy Moog. It's still amazing. Yeah. He must've been like 40 years old, I suppose. Like I, he was in my dressing room and I was like, he's one guy. I swear. I can't think of anybody else. I didn't speak to, I don't mean this in a bad way. Like he was an asshole either. He was just like, I was just, I kept going like it's Andy Moog. Like, yeah. Oilers Andy Moog and and I knew he was older looking back I think yeah anyway he was great he just seemed like the GM anyway anyway um, yeah that was that was a that was a pretty exciting one for me because my dad was a huge Habs fan yeah um, yeah and it was hockey night in Canada I started the game it was me and Matt Cullen first shift I scored on the first shift yeah man, um, I remember the goal call, was, call he, made, yeah, he made it he made a <laughs> he called he made a great play uh, and then to score on Mo, which was, you know, I was the biggest Oilers fan out there as of, as like everyone else that grew up in Alberta. Uh, to score against him was, uh, that's one I'll never forget for sure. Frankie, I forgot it was the end of the year. I don't know. I, I didn't know. Then I was up and down and I got these journals kept, but I, and a lot of them, but I, I don't have any dates attached to most. So that, okay, that makes a bit more sense. It's not like you had it yeah. right off the start and they sent you down. No, yeah. You had my, agent, my agent actually, you know, they, they say a yeah. lot of times, right place, right time, right? I had another year on my deal. Yeah. If I my deal was up because he ran the numbers and there was only one player in the league in the NHL ahead of me in those last 20 games, and that was Pavel Bure at 10 wow. goals. And one tied with me, which was Solani at nine. Um, which that's the right there, it. right, right there. That sentence that you just—that's an incredible sentence. That 
you can say that. You can just say the words that just came out of your mouth is unbelievable. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was there for, for three months of my life, and it was fun. Um, and, and contributing huge. Like, that's that's massive, Frank. I knew it, though. I mean, I was, at that point, like, I was on the bench. I was telling everybody about you, about the West, and I was proud of anybody out of the Western League, too, right? Like, um, uh, and, you know, just because 83 is a massive number and, <laughs> and you scored right in front of me. I was like, Oh yeah, that's him. That's him. Right. And just figuring that that was to me then, I don't know what number of the nine goals that was, but I was looking at the game and you were playing a lot and you looked totally at ease. So to me, I was just like, okay, he's on his way. Right. Yeah. It's going to be well, a- then, then, then my third year was my, the first time I'd had a, was in training camp. Right. Cause I'd missed the first two and I'd had that, dealing with the, the surgery and the, the injury with the pubic Man. bone for those two years. So um, the third year was the year I was thinking, yeah, this is, um, I'm going to step in now. I'd finished the season off well. They'd changed the coach. Uh, we had Pierre Pazes and they went to Craig Hartsburg. And oh, in preseason, I still did all right. I mean, I needed to work on my defensive game, obviously. But um, I in the seven games, I was tied with Selene and Korea with three goals. So... Jeez. You know, I thought, well, nice. I on top chance. of everything. Um, yeah. But I was the last cut, and, and, and Hartsburg called me in the office. And, um, you know, looking back on it now, the, what he told me, I probably perceived it different, right? He said, look, he's like, um, I got my two guys here that are going to get me my goals. And he's like, I need guys that can play defense. He said, I don't care if you go down to the minors and score 100 goals, I'm not going to mm-hmm. call you up. I, I, I just need my guys to to play defense in my mind i'm thinking man i gotta go down and score 120 (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um that's wild to say that very very similar story like that happened to me like they they were really high on me and then everybody got fired and they brought in other people and and i I just i I all of a sudden felt this and i kind of got that message um Rajan Hull and i and i like the guy really nothing against him but he told me that though he said you're before camp started he told me that I was going to play in Quebec, which was their minor league team for two years. And I'd already played a couple in Freddie and, and I was all right. I had 20 goals in Freddie um, and rookie of the year. And I was just like, what? I, I just didn't see it, but he told me it like before camp started. So I had this, I was like, there, there seemed to be a level that I, I, I couldn't attain. It's weird that you can tell me that now you don't even want to see how I work this summer. You don't want to, know the possibilities like you're going to tell me before camp starts he said it like it was a nice thing he's like oh, you'll likely be our first call up anyway i'm getting on to my story but i just yeah. think there's there's similarities you're a young kid you don't really know what to do and i was coming off a major injury too was, i had a concussion yeah. not good it's to a, be a power forward at the time with concussion right yeah yeah no yeah i mean the stars all got a line right it's uh they got to be right place right time um coach that likes you i mean all of that stuff um well when yeah but when you go down then what happens then um to cincinnati uh, yeah. when, when you go down up. finally now you after and you go through camp you're the last cut you go down and yeah are you, so are you, are you still uh, feeling I, I, like i'm gonna get up soon well yeah that was my goal right i'm yeah. gonna go down and, and do whatever i can work on my defensive yeah. game all that um and it was probably the third game of the year. I just got rocked by member Dean Melanson from Rochester. Yeah. Yeah. I woke up in the training room. My tooth was gone. 
stitches yeah. in my lip, my chin, back of my head. So, um, you know, I, I woke up in the, in the training room. This was after the first period. I was trying to go out for the second moment. It's like, no, you're not going anywhere, you know. But I played, you know, they had to take me off in the, in the stretcher. Um, I kind of got a, a blind pass, and he was coming through the middle. And That's um, – fuck, man, fuck, man, that's – I hate to cut you off. I'm going to say this one thing, though, man. And I, I, I could actually send you a book. Um, and I talk about that. I'm like, you know, I've been all these fights and hits on the boards, and that's what would give me. That did it. Like, the, the open ice. And as a winger, you've got a, the worst. The, 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 say the D-man has it behind the net, and he's breaking you out. And you got to look back. you got to. You, there's no way. that You can't have eyes in the back of your head. So even if it's for a fraction of a second, you have to look back and get that. And that time, you're vulnerable. And you're skating yeah. forwards. And if the D at any point, and they would do it, that's why I would fight Brendan Witt and these guys. Because I was like, I, I, I used to say to people, I don't want to get hit by them. I'll take their punch. But that would light you up, man. It was the worst thing. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, and we just scored. Four uh, times, and they were all from going through the middle. or It was something similar to getting that hit. And I didn't want to yeah. cut you off, but fuck, man. I hear yeah. it over and over and over again. Keep going. Yeah. I, no, we... We'd, our line had just scored the shift before. So it was the next, you know, right at the face-off circle. Um, and I, I kind of wheeled back towards our blue line and took off. Our D had it. Um, and I, our, I think it was Lloyd Shaw at the time. He kind of fanned on the pass. Uh, I was going to my forehand and then reached back on the other side to my backhand, going full speed. Uh-huh. And then Melanson, a big man, um, could hit. I mean, he was coming the other way at his blue line full speed. And they, the guy said, I don't remember, obviously, but the guy said the first thing that hit the ice was my head. He's like, my feet were still in the air. Um, Same fucking thing happened. So, but, I mean, I, I played the next week against them. We played – that was in Rochester. And uh, the next Friday – that was a Friday. Next Friday, I played against them. Um, so, I think that, you know, that had, you know, didn't help my causes of getting back up there. No, it didn't. And likely – Likely, if you played shortly after, then even yeah. though uh, looking back, you probably don't remember, but there was some level of PCS going on. There had to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they carried me off in the stretcher. And, um, well, that night, but you remember Brisky, Byron, and I were roommates. I also remember Shazi. Shazi played with me in Red Deer, too. It's still yeah, keep in yeah. touch here. And well, there. yeah, actually, the, the guys, were, they always say, yeah, after, uh, before Melanson even hit me, Shazi had already had his gloves dropped, uh, heading yeah. towards him. <laughs> I figure. That he, was, he was, he, he's he a was real a loyal teammate. teammate. Yeah. Right. Oh, he's a great teammate, teammate. And, and tough bugger, too. Yeah. And, and actually, Brisky, so look at it. There's just so many parallels. So, I got hit by Kevin Pop. It's on YouTube. After this, I'm going to send you the link. And yeah. Brisky, it says Terry Ryan. If you Google Terry Ryan and Brian Brisky or Lankow, I forget the, the caption. But and, and funny that you say this because Brisky, of all people, jumped in for it. And, and he really did. Brisky was like that, too. He wasn't as tough as Shaw. So he would, you know, Brisky would say, you want me dropping my gloves? Yeah, I'm not scared to do it, but I'm going to get beat up and the momentum is going to go the other way. But, but if, when it came to something like that, he would jump in there, but that's what happened to me. He hit, he came up like after the play, it would be definitely a late hit now. And he also, his stick got me uh, cross check me in the side of the head. I'm out, but I go up in the air and then my head hits the ice first. And I woke up in hospital, just like uh-huh. yourself, just like yeah, yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, yeah there were three times in my career where I got carried off in a stretcher, so um, never a good thing. But, yeah, no, uh, 
Brisker was a hell of a hell of a player. I mean, he he was with you guys in Tri Cities. He had some yeah, he scored some a lot. Good years there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm saying that because I think he went to pro and he struggled with it at first, but I don't know if he was in the position. I, I would have thought for sure, having played with him, that he was going to be a big-time yeah. scorer as a defenseman in pro. Anyway, Well, it's funny you say that because Jamie Ram, you know, he was a great guy, a great guy in the locker room, always joked around with guys. And um, at that time, they're brisky. You know, he was a scorer in junior, yeah. although he was a defenseman. Um he was closing in on the record for the most games in the AHL without a goal. Yeah. Right. So, so we'd go on the road and, and Rammer would tell the media, you know, the newspapers, Hey, uh, go ask Byron about his record. He's closing in on, and, wow. <laughs> and Brisky would get all, he, you know, he'd get all sour on it, but it's funny. I think he ended up getting traded and he went to Detroit in the IHL and his first game in the IHL he scored. That is incredible. Was yeah. he, I, I mean, I didn't know what happened. I was like, is, is he not playing? Is he, did he never get on the power play? He was just, he was, you know, he'd sit over there with the one-timer cocked, right? I think he had 15 or 16 and try sit. I know he had 50 odd points. Like he was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, he, um, but he, he had some concussions too. So that's why he, you know, he ended up retiring earlier. Uh, I think he only played another year or two after, you know, he went, he moved to Detroit. So. Good, good man, though. He's a good roommate. So listen, this is crazy, your concussion. So after this, is this what led to the eventual decision to go overseas? No, I wouldn't say it would be on that. It was just, you know, I was tired of mm-hmm. kind of all the stuff up and down. Um, you know, I, I had had some options to stay over here. Um, and I was just, you know, like I said before, when – uh, Mooner was telling me about Europe back in junior. Uh, it was still in the back of my mind. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I'd almost went to Russia. Uh, I'd actually, Hershey, uh, both he and I had signed the contract. But um, it was, um, I just wanted to try something different and have fun again. And that's, in Finland, I loved it. I mean, I, I got the love back for the game. I improved a lot. Um you know, the, that Finnish league was a great league for me because the players are so unselfish there, um, you know, which I was a player that, you know, I didn't have success unless I had somebody get me the puck. Yeah. Right? And yeah. if I'm in the American league um, and, you know, it is, it's doggy dog, it's guys trying to get up. Like, well, yeah. I give him the puck and he scores, he's going up, right? Um, where Finland, it was, you know, just very unselfish players, very hardworking players. I, I love the Finnish people. I love the league, very fast league. Um, and my game just improved a lot there when I was there. Uh, well, it was bigger ice in Finland, right? Some of them. I mean, it's um, there's no standard size over there. But, yeah, I mean, we'd play in Turku, um, which is where TPS is out of, where the Koivus, mm-hmm. you know, Saku and Miko are there, and their dad was a coach there. But that ice was huge. I, I mean, that was bigger than Olympic. I mean, I'd get over the blue line. I'd be our blue line. I'm like, man, what am I going to get to their blue line? Because that's usually what I, you know, get ready to wind it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> for, forever. Yeah, but for a score, like the way because we went over there, I played. Um, we were in Cincinnati, Phil Esposito and Cuba Gooding Jr. owned our team, if you can believe it, and. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, we went over. They took our whole team over, like, in August. We were over in Europe for a month or more because the season doesn't start till later in the coast, like, in the in, uh, in well into October. 
So we all went down early and we're like, yeah. So we went over to, and we toured and we played a game, two games in Italy. And then we played a bunch in Austria. And I would, like I said, I went over when I was in Montreal, I went over to Sweden and for two months, for two years, Brad Brown and I, right. We wanted to get a little more agility, like just better skaters in general. And the way that, but when we're over there, we're like, Holy cow on top of all this, they're training like the two days, the hurdles, the plyometric stuff that we weren't doing back here. So point is I, I, I have a, a great knowledge of playing over there. And when I asked you about the concussions, cause that was the first thing after that happened to me with Kevin pop, I, until that point, I, I, I'd never even thought about it. And I had gotten hit with my head down, but it just didn't ever, those repercussions didn't happen. So I can honestly tell you to this day, and I still play senior hockey. Well, maybe not now after all this, but um, with, with hitting and, you know, go to the Allen cup and it was a high level. So point being like, I still, since that moment, I always am aware of it. If I have the puck, I'm aware that a defenseman might be, and I don't want to get that hit where my head snaps. I don't mind you running me on the boards. I can see you coming, but I don't like that head snap where, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, cause you might get not get knocked out. But since then I'll have a headache for like five days. My light light will hurt my eyes. I don't know if those are concussions. I don't know, but that never happened before. And after that, and when I got over there, I noticed, I'm like, wow, without putting specific guys down, what I noticed about the American league. And I used to hate like, because I would be playing and, you know, I'd often have to fight these guys or whatever. And the more power to them. They were all good guys. Um, and a lot of them are listening to this. But I found as a, a scorer, because that was my instinct. I didn't leave home to be a fighter. It was never that. It was that kind of became something, I guess, because I had balls to do it. But, you know, I, I wanted when I go on the ice, my instinct is to get the puck and put it in the net with as little resistance possible. So when I got over there, I'm like, guys like that would have been big meat and potatoes, you know, the one or two guys per team. So some of them were doing it and could definitely play like a Chris Dingman. Right. Um, he was tough, like fight any of those guys and he could also play, but there was some that were, that would, couldn't. If I found when the ice is bigger, there's no way those guys would have been able to play against me in Europe. Not that I'm a swift, this rocket, but imagine I'm a good player. And I'm like, that would have eliminated it. I don't know. Cause if they keep going, you know, fighting at the time it was getting a bit out of hand but you're always going to have it to some degree but um if people are complaining about that i'm like all you'd have to do is make the ice a little bit bigger and those guys wouldn't be able to play because it'd be so bad defensively but right now they can go out there in the nhl dimensions and they can hang and they can just do their job for three ships and follow you around right but if the ice is bigger that would open them up and make them look vulnerable so in my mind i'm like you know you still might have fights because people are going to get upset but the nucleus of the play, people are going to be a little bit more skilled. I, I would still kind of welcome that um, because. Yeah, and, and at the time when I went to Europe, um, you know, it's obviously the more uh, space you got on the ice, there's going to be less contact. Now, in the Finnish league, then that was still a pretty physical, tough league. Um, so it depends on what rink you're at because all the rinks were different sizes. Well, was, um, was there as many people? finishing hits again i don't really mind the fighting i just find those guys would always be in uh, it eliminate the people that you know are, are the low the low-hanging fruit here they can go out and work yeah. out and make themselves huge and come on and yeah. just beat somebody yeah. up but they'd still get out there were, were those guys eliminated when you got over there or like because like i said 
No, I just found I wasn't being hit as much. I had the puck a lot, and I felt way better creatively. My my creative game was bigger. But we're, I guess I'm a long way around it. Were there games in Finland then that were just as physical? Oh yeah, yeah. We had, there were fights all the time. I mean, there were, um, you know, like when I was with Jokert, they'd bring guys over. Um, no way. You know, for for that part, yeah. There was, you know, like Sandy Transand with. Um, oh God! You know, yeah, which that wasn't a big. That, yeah, that wasn't a big part of his game, but we brought him over in, in Jokert for oh, yeah. that. He'd do um, that. But, but the other what part was the suspension? Is, sorry? What what was the penalty? Um, back then, yeah, you get thrown out of the game, so you could have one. Not like see, you're, you know, you could have two or three. Um, see, th- this is my point, often with fighting. Because people say, Frankie, they go, well, you know, there's what's unique about hockey? Well, you can fight in hockey, the other sports you can't, but, but you can't fight in hockey. I, I, it's just more fighting because, you know, you're going around and you're, there's no out of bounds. There's lots of reasons. You got equipment on there's sticks. There's, you can go after guys. But if, in basketball, if LeBron game, James gets in a fight tomorrow night, he's thrown out of the game. But yeah. they just don't do it as much. But you know what I mean? Like, so they still yeah, bring yeah. in tough guys, even if when you fight, you're gone. Yeah. 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 Well, the other part to it, too, was um, back then there was in Europe, we didn't have the red line. You know, and and you see now when the NHL switched that in 2004, took out the red line, that's what opens the game up even more now with speed. And that's the part I even liked over there was a little more freewheeling, as you're saying, a little more time, space. Um, But now you see in the NHL, it's like um, as soon as they took that red line out, I mean, you got to skate. It's you can't play how the New Jersey Devils used to play with the trap, slow the whole game down. Right. Um, yeah, it's a it's a freewheeling, which game. would allow I, for people that. Yeah, it's just what. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my last year when I retired, I actually played with uh, Team Hungry. We played against Team Canada, against um, McDavid and Marchand and all them top players from Canada. And uh, kidding me? I, I, I was on the bench with uh, one of the older guys on our team. And I was like, man, we <laughs> they need to put a speed limit out here. <laughs> These guys are. Where was this? Where did this happen? That was the, it would have been 2016 world championships. So that's when I retired after that. Um, Good God. What a so I, I became a Hungarian citizen. Um, you know, I played in Hungary in the Austrian league for four years. And then after two years, they, they approached me about getting my citizenship and, and playing for the national team. Um, so I did that. Um, we'd qualified to move up to pool A. And so the next year I played again, and uh, as we played against, you know, we were in the top pool at, in St. Petersburg. But I couldn't believe how fast, like, the McDavid was. I mean, just his his speed, his hands. I mean, he, he burnt me on one shift, and I was like, whew. Wow, and you're pretty fast. And you were saying yeah. that this was like nothing you've ever seen? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it looks was, like it on I, TV. I've never seen him play. These old legs were going as fast as he could, and it was it felt like, the first time in my career, it was like, it had been me like out there with my kids. Wow. And, um, so actually on the play, Marchand, Brad Marchand scored on the play and I lined up for the faceoff. And I said to Brad, I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, that kid is fast. I'm like, there's no way I would have caught him. And Brad says to me, he goes, it's unbelievable how good he is at his age. Right. And here's, here's Marchand, who's a top player in the world. You know, and top much older. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, incredible. So- did they know you were from Canada? Yeah, I think they did. Because, well, I played with Team Canada before. Um, 
you know, I did the Spangler Cup and the, and the tournaments over in Europe. And um, so a lot of the trainers were still the same trainers. Um, Scotty Salmon, um, you know, when I played with, with Team Canada, he was part of the, the team then and, and was in um, in 2016. So, uh, Frankie, by the way, I my experience with, with the reason I didn't think there was as much hitting in Finland. Wow, I'm, I'm kind of surprised um, because when I went to Sweden now, I, I, I went there to train and I practiced with Masteris and we had like these exhibition games. So but. It, it wasn't Finland. It was Sweden. And we didn't play anybody. Yeah. In Finland. And my experience of the games is in Austria and Italy. I played about yeah. a dozen games and in Austria, it didn't seem like that on maybe we were just in the right. I remember like Innsbruck. Our first game was in Innsbruck. Big, oh, big beautiful, beautiful town. Water. And it, 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 I fell in love. I remember going, can I, I had an ankle injury, right? I ended up having to stop. But that was, as soon as I played there, I was like, how do I get over here? A buddy of mine from Fredericton. Played in Fred not from Fredericton from over there, Martin Hohenberger. He was playing. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember Martin. Yeah, Martin yeah, and yeah. we were. I honestly was working on it. Is I, I, I walked in and the the whole for those that don't know the whole end of the rink. They must have hosted the Olympics in the seventies or something because it's all glass and they got the Olympic rings, and you can kind of look out and see the mountains. And uh, like we pregame in there, you don't even have to have all the lights on because it's all coming from the glass, and it's this big surface. And I remember just wheeling around and it just felt great. I'm like, there was no hesitance. I never, never had felt like anybody was going to fight me. There was a few hits, but nothing big time. Like I, I remember going, this is what I want to do from here on in. <laughs> and then, no, yeah. Of course, and and one of the, and one of the, one of the nicest places in Europe. I mean, Innsbruck's beautiful. Is but it? It's, okay. Yeah. So it's, I mean, you know, I only, I've been over there. I know all the teams, but I haven't been to every place. So players, it's well known as it is one of the nicer places. I was oh, yeah, blown away. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and to get back to what you're saying, like, you know, Sweden and Russia, those leagues are different, right? They're more east-west, less contact. Okay. Where the Finnish league and the German league, um, oh. you know, the, the, the German league, well, you had nine North Americans on the team. So it was more physical. Finland, just, just kind of their their nature and, and the way they are more physical as well. Very interesting. Uh, I didn't know I lumped it all together. I let Scandinavia is all one place in my mind. Like when it comes to hockey players and, yeah. and their culture, that's great. I, I, I Yeah. That was the interesting part playing over there was just every, every country and league had their different ways of training, different way, ways of playing. Like when I, when I played in Moscow, so I, I'd went over in 2000, Oh, I went right before the lockout. I mean, that's a historic. You played for Dynamo, right? Yeah, I played for Dynamo. I played Dynamo. with Ovechkin, actually. Wow. I was the only, only foreigner on the team, played on the line with him. But uh, playing with him back then, that was the year he would have been drafted to the Caps. Um, you know, he he played a North American-style game, which was unusual for that. Was game. he – Was he? Um, that, that, by the way, that's, that's another – unbelievable sentence I didn't think was going to come out of your mouth. What? A, what? You played with Alex Ovechkin. What? Okay. Yeah. And B, did, was, was he exactly what I think? Like, you, I mean, you kind of just answered it, but when you say North American, you mean like he was as passionate after he scored and he finished his hits? Because that was rare back then for a Russian. Oh, yeah. I mean, but when I played in the Russian league and the Swedish league, I mean, if you forechecked them hard and and you know finished your checks they weren't used to that because nobody did that 
right? And that old Ovechkin, but back then, I mean, what was he, 17, 18? He's running, guys. How did he... <laughs> Was it just, did he watch the Canadian game or was it, he was just an anomaly, a, an exception to the rule? Yeah, he, I mean, it was always his dream to play in the NHL. So obviously he was watching that style of game. Um, wow. You know, he was just, his work ethic was, was unbelievable. I mean, I remember in junior, uh, and I did through all my career, I'd stay out after for yeah. 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, just fire pucks and work on one timers and, um, so I would do some of that with him there, but man, I would, I would get off and I'd be, you know, go to the gym and then shower. I mean, he still, he would still be out there. I mean, he was out there an hour, hour and a half just shooting pucks. Uh, and then he would go to the gym. I mean, everyone has already gone home already. Right. Wow. Um, but if when, you know, when I played with him, you know, two years later, he scored 50 in the NHL as a rookie. I was, if you would ask me then they was going to score 50 as a rookie. I said, no way. But his work ethic and the way he just kept improving and developing was incredible. Um, and you look at him now, like he's never really had any major injuries in his career. It's right? he's, just a, he's a machine that keeps on going. But I, I got a funny story when I played with him. Actually, the first game. So they brought me over to play with him and Yuri Babenko. You know, I'd, at that time I was with Phoenix and Springfield. I knew the lockout was coming. You know, everyone was talking about it's going to be the whole year. I'm like, man, I got to get over there because it's going to be tough for jobs. So um, I'd sign with them. And our, our first game was in St. Petersburg playing with him and Yuri Babenko. I remember <laughs> Yuri played in Hershey. <laughs> and uh, and uh, oh so after the, you know, he was very intense and loved to shoot, as did I. Um, <laughs> And uh, he says to me after the first, he's like, hey, Frankie, he's like, hey, give me the puck. And I'm like, man, who's it? You know, <laughs> I didn't know at that time he was supposed to go first overall, but I'm thinking, man, who's this young kid telling me to give him the puck? Like, wow. You know, like I played in the NHL. I'm like, okay. I didn't say anything. So the second period, I, you know, give him a couple good passes and he didn't score. And then, so after the, after the second, I said to him, I said, hey, Alex, I said, give me the puck. Um, and then two years later, he scores 50 in the NHL. I'm like, damn, I should have been giving him the puck. <laughs> what is it? Was he a nice guy? Oh, he was a great guy. I got, oh, him. um, sat beside him in the locker room and yeah, very, very hard worker. I mean, he, um, just every practice, he, he just stay out there. You know how some guys are, they do that extra all the time. He was one of them guys. Oh, well, it doesn't surprise me, but you never know, right? You never know. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. He, I mean, at this point with the internet alone <laughs> and all these avenues, I, I get the feeling he is, but um, to hear it from someone, so I, I don't know anybody that's this firsthand that actually played with them that I've talked to. So uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, how was, I, I'm just curious, how was Salzburg to play in? I loved it. Yeah, it I've heard good things. City. Beautiful city. Um, They're usually in the yeah. running. Did you guys win it? We did. Yeah, it was the first time that Red Bull ever won it. So I went there. Um, it was uh, the year or the second year that the owner of Red Bull, that's the owner of Red Bull, uh, Mr. Manischitz, that's where he lives in Salzburg. That's where the headquarters are for Red Bull. I, had to go, I, I was a Red Bull territory manager for a couple of years. Oh, really? I, yeah, I had yeah. to go there for that. Uh, Only once. I think it was more of a, you know, a flex. You're with the company kind of thing. It wasn't just me. It was a bunch of people. 
Yeah, be- beautiful area. And then obviously the red, you know, Mr. Manischitz, he bought the team. It's, you know, anything he does with Red Bull, he wants it to be number one. Um, you know, at that time, I went to the league, like we had Darby Hendrickson, Arturs Erbe, Juha Lind, like all these guys, Gregor Arturson, Dieter Kalt, which was one of the top Austrian players, Thomas Scott, like all these players. Like the, the year we won it, I think we lost one home game the whole year. And in playoffs, we didn't lose one game, every, any series. It really? Was like, it, it was like it was unfair. Were, yeah. were, was, was that a year? I know that you must have played with two of my real close hockey buddies, Donald McLean and Josh Green. Yeah, Matt Mack and Greener, they would have came, um, it would have been the year after I think we won. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So how, how, and how, like, let's just say you win it in Austria. Is it a huge celebration or a ho-hum? Oh, it was nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, he brought us in on the Red Bull semi downtown Salzburg, which is beautiful. Um, you know, did it all up, big parade downtown. And yeah, oh. that, that, it was about two weeks later, the, the lady from the office calls me. She's like, Frankie, she's like, two things. She says, uh, one, um, your car's been sitting in uh, no park zone in front of the uh, Irish bar for two weeks. Can you move that? And the second, can you bring the other half of the, the cup back? <laughs> uh, please. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you played until 2016. I'm doing the math. That's your uh, mid to late 30s. So you, well, 40, I guess. Um, 41, yeah, it was 41. 41. So love of the game, or did you... Would it have mattered, or the last place you played? I can't even pronounce it. How do you say that's Shekis Shekis Favar. Shekis Favar. So was it a love of Shekis Favar, or could it have? You know, if you would have just kept going wherever. Because I asked that because, you know, not everybody plays professional hockey until they're forty or forty-one, right? I think it was it was both. You know, I I obviously loved the game since I was a kid. The passion to play. Um, and then continue to play, you know, as I got older, once I hit probably 34, it was like, you know, you know how it is in Europe. There's only so many spots open. Um, and if you don't perform, um, you know, they're going to use the excuse, well, you're too old. We're not going to sign you. We're not interested. Totally. You were putting so, up numbers to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I started training harder at 34 and I trained pretty hard when I was younger, but I, not harder, probably smarter. Um, you know, just to continue to play, because it's 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 what I wanted to do. I wanted to continue to play. Um, the town I was in, I loved it. My wife loved it. The kids, you know, they went to school there. They were fluent in Hungarian. Um, you know, it was just just everything. And then part of being the national team too. Like when they approached me, I probably played two years longer than I should have. I should have retired at thirty nine because it started having the knee. Uh, well, that was my next question. Yeah. And and I, I was lucky too. I didn't have any major injuries except at the beginning of my career. It's uh, astounding. Um, you, you have this major three-year ongoing four-year injury to a major part of your core, and then played <laughs> another twenty years. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Great. Well, it's it's. And when we go back to Salzburg, I actually trained with a guy, Desan Benicki, Czech guy, who's you know he's kind of the guru on the skating treadmill, and he changed my stride. Um, wow. 30 years old on the treadmill because I was always an inside edge skater. 
Um, now you see like McDavid and Crosby, they're always on that outside edge, right? Um, and I changed it at 30 years old, training on that treadmill for like three months, um, which helped me. Um, and that's, that was one of, you know, because even after my surgeries and stuff, I still always had groin issues, groin pulls and everything. That's, you know, I had to really do a good warm up, get, you know, good stretch, good cool down, all that, right? Monitor all that. Um, so at 30, when I changed my stride to more of an outside edge skater, it helped me a lot. Um, and if I didn't have the knees, knee issues, I'd probably still be trying to play. You're uh, unique. Well, yeah, I, I know you would. You're unique in a lot of ways. That's that's another one. Changing for those that don't know, changing your stride after 12 is hard. Let alone doing it at 30. Um, uh, it takes hard work. It can be done, but it takes hard work. So, in the midst of all that, one last thing. I'm sorry, but I do like I, we're we're gone over an hour again. Um, what brought you back? So you came back to North America for a stint. What brought you back? When I came back to Phoenix? Oh, in the middle of your, in the middle of, hold on now, where was it? I was yeah, just... yeah. That, so I'd, I'd went over um, to Finland, yeah. played three years. Um, and yeah, it was still my dream to get back full-time in the NHL, right? Because mm -hmm. I had that taste is like, I know I can play there. You know, there was the three definitely, but most guys don't. Most guys at that time, you go over there, you're it's you know, it's it's your yeah, you're over. <laughs> you know, it already happened. I feel like I'm wishing you, I, I'm bringing bad luck on you. It already happened. Most guys went there and it was over, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, actually, after my first year in in, in Finland, I'd, I'd gotten an offer for um to sign with the Islanders, but it was a two way deal. And looking back on it now, I was like, man, I should have should have tried that again. Uh, I did I, I did try it again the following year with Phoenix, but um, you know, as I said, maybe right place, right time. You always look back on that, but you know, I came back because it was still my goal and dream to become full time guy in the NHL. Um, and then you know, and then when in, when the lockout came in two thousand four. You know, I, I was back over there. I just remained over there for the you know, next 12 years. But Frankie, not but, but I mean, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for doing this. But uh, there's one thing that you got that's that I love is most people, it takes a while. I, I mean, even let's say Joe Thornton is still playing. His first year, I think he had four goals and two assists in like, 50 or 60 or 70 games. So a lot of guys, you know, I started out, I was on the fourth line. I didn't barely played. I, I'm certainly not complaining. I, I look back, I was in the NHL. Um, I wish I had a bigger sample size, you know, to be able to go out there and do something. Uh, lots of guys you look at, you know, like it's natural. Any rookie that comes in, you're not going to score at first, probably at all. You've got in that, that season, you get 20 games and you get nine goals. Like you've got that, you've proved it. People can say whatever you truly can say, you know, given a different circumstance, because you proved you played in the national hockey league. Not only that, it's, it's not exhibition outside of all those exhibition. You've got those points at the end of the year, which everybody, the, your, every second team you're playing against is uh, going for the playoffs, going for placement and they're hard games. And you yeah. prove yeah. that you can score name it again. Who, who were the guys that scored more than you in those 20 games? Uh, Pavel Buri had 10 and Timo I was tied with Timo at 9 and I think Madonna was at 8 
Yeah, Timu Solani, Mike Medano, Pavel yeah. Bure. And that would give me, if I was you, just the satisfaction of, hey, it's, it's a games played thing. It's certainly not a, it, not that you need that, but I just love that. I don't know a lot of other people. Donald McLean is the closest that I know. Speaking of Donald, um, he got called up here and there. And I think one year he had like four goals in seven games or something close to that. And you're like, wow, you know, you did it. I know I could have done it. I did it on every other level. I did it in exhibition. I just wish yeah. I'd had a chance, but, but I can't really say that. It doesn't bother me really because I, but I, I can't really, really say it. You, my friend are a good national hockey league goal scorer, a better than average national hockey league goal scorer. So proud of you for that. Cause we, we do go back a long way, even though I didn't realize it at first. Um, just a couple of quick ones. Now, before we go, what was your favorite restaurant on the road in anywhere? Anywhere in North America. I don't don't count Europe because a lot of people don't know what you're talking about. Favorite <laughs> restaurant. Well, it would, uh, I mean, I loved when, uh, you know, playing in Anaheim Phoenix, the pregame meals. It was like, holy smokes, you had steak, chicken, fish, um, you know, every Weren't type. those great? Oh, twice. The NHL meals. Uh, like, ooh, I, I was still going like, there's a full steak there. I can just take one. So I'd always take more and I'd like leftovers. I'd bring it up to the room yeah. for a little snack. Yeah. Yeah. If we were smart back then, we would have took uh, the little Ziploc uh, containers oh, with yeah. us. <laughs> I used yeah. to go into like, I love when it was NHLPA day and they'd come in with like whatever it was that for the guys who had been there for 10 years, like oh, another wallet or a watch. And I'd be going in, hey, yeah. you, you, you really, Hey, Hey, Vinny, do, do you really want that? Like, it's just another wallet. Ah, sure. Take it. I'd bring some home for my buddies. <laughs> I loved it. Um, what? Uh, so in, in, in all your time playing, I suppose, name me a couple of great coaches that you had. Coaches have had such, they took a shit knock in the last couple of years. And even though I had lots that I hate, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Tell me a couple that you really liked for all the coaches and kids out there that give us, give us some, positive feedback that there are good guys yeah i mean it's we've all had the ones we liked ones we didn't like the crazy ones um but i think with me it's i learned something different from all of them um but if you know if there's some coaches that stand out in my mind that that i learned more or had a you know more of effect on my career than others you know um first is obviously my dad right uh he coached me growing up and then after that, be like Lauren Mulliken um, and Donnie Clark. I only had Donnie one year, um, but those two in junior, which are important years, they were they were a big factor in my my life and career. Then um, Hardy Nielsen, I had in Salzburg uh, with Red Bull. You know, he was a really really good coach. He was Swedish Olympic coach, Swedish national team coach, pretty famous coach in sweden um but yeah those are the ones that stand out in my mind and then you know i had some crazy ones i had a uh, rami sumanen who was um um you know play they brought him in for the oilers to play with gretzky he was supposed to be the ari curry really good really good player um and there's a lot of stories you hear about him in europe and i got along with him it was just the way he coached was crazy i remember one game um he'd always come at me Right, because I would take it, and I'm like, I'll take it for the guys, because he, I mean, he'd scream at us if we won. You were the guy, yeah, you were, you yeah. were the guy at the and, take it. And, yeah, and I, you know, I liked it because you know we had young guys on the team then, Tumo Root too, and um, yeah. Kari Lettinen and and uh, Falupa that's still playing. 
um, yeah. a lot of guys. So I'm like, yeah, take it out on me. Well, there was one game. It was uh, finally, I'm like, I knew he was coming. And I'm like, just, I've had enough. I'm the, so I took my stuff off quick. He'd go into the office and then he would come into the room and go around at everyone and start with me. And uh, I took my stuff off quick, ran to the, to the toilet, put my feet up. Uh, I'm in the stall and I put my feet up <laughs> and he comes running around the locker room, goes right to my stall. He's like, where's Frankie? Where's Frankie? And he's looking, he goes into our lounge area. He's looking, he's looking all over the place. <laughs> the guys are just laughing because they, they know I'm hiding in the toilet. Uh, and he didn't yell at us that game because he couldn't find me. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are the little things that uh, yeah. make the game colorful. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, that's great. Do you, do you still skate? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I, I coach here in the area and um, I'll jump in an odds men's league game once in a while, maybe one or two a year. Um, but yeah, I know I still love getting on the ice and, and firing the old puck again. And um, That never gets old. I, I mean, that was what I loved. Outside of... Just shooting pucks, right? Um, so it's good to wire a few now and then. Well, it's, you love shooting pucks. You never say, uh, pra- you know, there you go, kids. Practice. What do they say? 10,000 hours in anything, you become an expert. Um, yeah. And shooting's no different. Um, do you, in a normal world now, no pandemic, let's just imagine it didn't happen. How, how often would you get back to Canada? I usually try to get back every year to see my family. They're all still back around my hometown. Um, what? So I usually try to get back once a summer, but yeah, we obviously last summer didn't get back and it. It's um, not looking like we'll get back this summer. Not right now. Anyway. Um, w- w- so what brought you to Newfoundland? What do you do now for a living? And um, you know, did, for those that don't know, did I mention it? I've been going for so long. Uh, Frankie and I, Frank gave me a call, but a year and a half ago, I met him out for a bite to eat and we went down memory lane. It was nice, but I forget what brought you here. Yeah, so with uh, with you know when I retired, I got uh, joined on with uh, working with an engineering company called Flatwake. Um, we do all separation technology and and uh, big industrial size centrifuges and distack machines where we're we're doing separation with um, you know pretty much everything that we use in our everyday life with solids and liquids. So uh, we have those uh, two customers out in Newfoundland. Um, uh, Long Harbor, which is uh, they they run the process with uh, forty five from here. Yeah, I know where. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite, quite a quite a a significant amount of my friends work there in in some degree. Oh, do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they use a uh, at that facility. They use a three phase machine. What we have, which separates a solid, a uh, heavy phase, and a light phase. Um, which a light phase is usually like an oil, and the and the heavy phase will be a water, and then your solids. Um, but it's a crude extraction there that they're using the machine for. Um, so that was pretty, actually pretty neat when I went out there to see how big that plant was. And um, that's one, I think that's the largest in the world for producing um, nickel, I believe. Um, and then we have another um, customer there, right? In Newfoundland Parties Waste Management. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, where they do a lot of, they got a good, uh, big project starting up now with the, uh, offshore drilling so will i uh will i run into you again absolutely yeah i'll be back up there again um although you know once things get back to normal hopefully sooner than later 
Hopefully. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks a lot for doing this. And I'm sorry to go along. You got such an interesting story and you're unique in a lot of ways. You're one of a kind, Frankie. Uh, I appreciate it, TR. Yeah. You as yeah. Well. And thanks for that intro. That was uh, unbelievable. <laughs> no sweat, man. There's more. There's yeah. more where that came from. And uh, we'll catch up soon. I mean, soon enough. You're going to be here, I guess, with work, which is great. And, uh, you know, hang in there for the rest of the pandemic, man. I don't know what else to say. I'm sick of talking about it, but it was great to yeah. catch up, even if it you was too, on brother. Zoom. Yeah, you too, brother. Okay, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right. Take Thanks, care, man. brother. Okay, we are back. Uh, love talking to Frankie. Um, as you can tell, good guy. I mean, I say that every every time, but, you know... I tend to do that. I, I, you know, I have my friends and acquaintances on here. And like I said, Frankie and I go back to the first year. I, I, you know, that chaotic year that most of you know, I went to Cornell and know what I was going to do, where I was going to end up. I played junior. That's the year I rubbed hot sauce on my hands, rubbed it in the, uh, my opponent's eyes, beat him up and then got laid after the game for the first time. Just to refresh your memories. <laughs> anyway, that was a bit of fun. But that, that was Cornell, and it was a tough town. And we could have gone on for two hours just on that. But anyway, that's when I became aware of Frank Bannon, but I didn't know it was the same guy. You know, I went out there, and um, just every, I remembered hearing the name, and years later I went through some stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's the same Frank Bannon. Um, because just a lot of guys in the Rocky Mountain League didn't end up in the – uh, Western League, at least not in the Eastern Division. I, I don't know why, but that was just the way it was. So, but yeah, um, could just Frankie could score in any league. I always knew that. I remember the year he had eighty three. Just looking at guys and going, I don't care what league you put this guy in. I just couldn't understand how. I guess not successful. He was successful. I, I couldn't understand why more teams didn't take notice. I, I suppose. And uh, but when it's all said and done and they did, I mean, you just heard the story. You know what I'm saying? I, I just that's an astronomical number of goals. And I figured like that, especially after not really asking him all these years, I thought that the nine and 21 games, uh, I thought maybe it was it, it was possibly an attitude thing. I didn't think so. Everybody I know that knows Frankie thinks he's a great guy. But I didn't know if it was an injury. Doesn't make sense. But the way he explained all that. It kind of makes sense. I mean, I still thought he would play more NHL games, but to score that many in the short sample size would give you a bit of peace of mind, I think, as a scorer. You'd be like, hey, you know, I can score in the NHL. And imagine if he had more time up there, right? Put him with better players. They're just going to put it on his stick. Yeah, I think he, I think he could have had a few hundred. <clears throat> Call me crazy, but um, that's what I think. So uh, thanks again, like I said, to DraftKings um, and Wedgwood Cafe. Remember, Wedgie got the uh, catering on the go now. Some great food. I had it again last week. Phenomenal. When it opens back up in Newfoundland, uh, visit us, man. Visit us down at Greensleeves. Greensleeves is also uptown now, which is on Torbay Road for you locals. And I actually really like hanging out there. I work downtown at Turkey's, which is affiliated with Greensleeve. So I'm downtown on George Street more. But hey, man, at some point it's going to open up. And I don't want it to be premature either. I'm not saying that. I'm just, I, I can, 
we can all sense that the spring is coming too, right? Um, but I, I get all kinds of questions, guys, on these on these emails. Like I said, I answered one earlier, and um, I really don't have the time today. I got to take off, but I, I do want to address one thing because a lot of the questions go back; it, it, they can kind of be answered at the same time. A lot of people ask either, "What are you doing? How do you cope? Um, what do you think of the pandemic? This is bullshit." What you know? Or, 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 you know, we, we were never going to be the same again. All sides, all angles, all topics. But it comes back to, like, how I'm dealing with it. Okay, um, guys, I just go outside a lot. I, I um, not just I, I get to see my daughter. I live really close to Danielle. Like I said, we're, we're not husband and wife anymore, but we're real close. We do stuff every day. Penny Lane's real close. I mean, distance-wise. And I'm a big part of her life like I should be but you know that keeps me entertained for a lot of it uh, I'm doing this so I get to you know reach out I suppose pick up the phone or if you can't deal and if, if you got no one to call I'm not saying this from a mental health point of view either because usually it gets back to that and sure enough if you want to use it like that I'm just saying a lot of you are bored you're not necessarily don't have anxiety or depression or I guess it comes on a little bit naturally but a lot of you're just saying hey man like you know I'm kind of bored here what do I do um my PlayStation, man, like I'm on that a lot. And you can also like, you know, some of you don't have a lot of people to hang out with. Don't don't have friends to go on there. Fine. You know, I do. We, we A bunch of us go on and play hockey, uh, Grand Theft Auto and golf quite frequently. More so during this, you know, obviously, normally I would go on for an hour or two at night, four or five nights a week. But now it's a little bit more. <laughs> but I do what I can outside. And uh, you meet people on those forums and everything too, right? You go on there and usually there's, it, it, in an online thing, I mean, yes, there's a lot of dickheads, which is probably the best way I could put it. But there's also a lot of people that are out there for the same reason, that are bored, they're in a pandemic, and they're just looking to socialize. Um, books. Uh, my buddy Brant Myers, who's going to be a guest soon, he's got one out called Painkiller. Take that in, right? I mean, a lot of us still read, but we're reading screens, right? Go get a book if you haven't tried it out. I'm not trying to sell mine either. For those of you that have that have bought mine, I appreciate it. But I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, you're asking me how to kill time. And I feel really at home reading a book. I feel like I'm, I'm with the person that wrote it, to be honest. And I, I don't feel alone. Um, uh listening to podcasts. I know you're listening to this one, but if, if it's only hockey, listen to all kinds of other things. Open your mind. Um, what do I like? How it began. It's dated now. It hasn't had a new episode in a couple of years, but it's still available by Brad Harris and it is deadly. And it's major things in history like um, language, the English language, uh, the, the computer age, uh, coffee, uh, which has a huge part in the uh, world that you much more important part in history than you think wars, but you, you, it, it takes, it goes back to the beginning of time and kind of takes you through, you know, the, well, how it began tells how shit began. Anyway, it's really interesting and it's off topic and it's a bit of history, I guess, but the way he's got it done and the sound effects and everything. Anyway, I love it. Um, and the other ones, you know, I listen to all kinds. I can't get into every podcast. That's just an example of a different one. And exercise, man, and sometimes combine all of it. So you guys see me out, like, 
hiking with my buddies on Instagram. And I get a lot of shit about that too. A lot of DMS and fucking running into people on the street and, and, and giving me shit masks on, but I'm out doing that like with my buddies, but they're, you know, we're 12 feet apart. If you got to worry about me walking around at Pippi park in Newfoundland and we're really spaced out and we really go to lengths to do that again, because I don't want my mother to die as one of you put it right. I don't. And I love her and I love life and I compassionate. And I hope everybody gets out of this alive. That's not going to happen, but I guarantee it won't be me spreading it. Now, when I do these posts, you know, I, first of all, I always have a mask on. If I'm out, I just pull it down for the post. Why am I even explaining this? But, you know, there's a healthy number of people that I get some flack from, like dozens, put it that way. Not hundreds, but dozens. Um, but anyway, yeah. So point being, just get out, man. Get out. What I do, I'll download like four or five podcasts that are like an hour each. Today, I got Bill Burr. I got First Take with Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith. I got Overdrive. I got Hockey Central. And then I always go with an interview. And today it's George Clooney from the Smartless podcast. I don't know if any of you watched Arrested Development but or uh, Will and Grace. I, I didn't really watch Will and Grace, but I love Arrested Development. And so it's Jason Bateman and Will Arnett from there and Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. And he's pretty funny. I just... I know the premise of the show, but I never watched an episode. But in any case, it's a great podcast. So that's my day today, right? I leave you now. It's 3 o'clock, 3.47. And I will go for a walk for the next three to four hours. Bundle up. I'll listen to that set of playlists and um, go see my daughter, Penny Lane. It's not ideal, folks, but it'll definitely get you through. If, If anything that you'll pick up from listening to how it began is that in the course of history, folks, I don't know if you realize it, but we didn't have all these accessories, amenities. We didn't have so much options at our fingertips if a pandemic hit, right? It was like hang out in a fucking cave, build a house way out in the middle of nowhere so no one comes around, and even then it might find its way to you with a straggler. It was survival of the fittest. Most of human history... The biggest worry going to bed was that hopefully I don't get attacked and die. Like, hopefully I wake up alive. Now, it's not ideal, right? But we're in a bubble. We're we're in this comfort zone with bumpers uh, on the outside. We're in a force field. We don't realize what it's like to really be a human. Okay? So having to go out, listen to podcasts, go for a walk, come back, play a video game, watch a movie, listen to your favorite album. It ain't so bad, people. I know we're meant to be social, and I'm feeling it too, but it ain't so bad, is it? It ain't so bad. Tales with Tierra, if you want a copy of Fights, Film, and Folklore, uh, send me a message, terryryan2020 at gmail.com. I also got some pictures and stuff. I mean, um from my dad some of you want pictures whatever that is i'll do what i can i just go get a bunch made off give me some notice if you want a book i'll throw one in um and penny posh check it out man my ex-wife danielle like i said we're we'll be close the rest of our lives uh and i think she's got well i think she's got an awesome product i guess i know we're going to be close i'm just saying 
not that that would matter, I guess, to you people, but I, um, I guess if you're concerned about my well-being or you've come to know Danielle through me or somebody else over the years, or you're listening to this and you just simply are from Alberta and the poor girl can't get home for the last couple of years, she's in good hands. We get along great. And I hope that she sells more hoodies. It's called pennyposhdesigns.com. Um, women's wear reimagined. There are jackets, uh, but I really love the hoodies. And I think they're the best of its kind that I've ever seen. They're really comfortable. They're really practical. Check it out. And um, they, they kind of grow with you. So it's it, it, at the beginning, it was maternity wear reimagined, but it ain't maternity wear. I think that she shot herself in the foot a bit with the advertising there because it's great if you are pregnant because it kind of stretches with you, but you don't have to be. It's phenomenal. The hoodies are unreal. Um, if you're interested, shoot me a note. Go there, check it out, and I'll work something out. I'll throw in whatever I can, and we'll give you a great deal, as in almost half price kind of thing. When I say we, I mean her. <laughs> I got nothing to do with it other than I uh, told her I'd give her a shout-out out here, and uh, I see her every day for other reasons. But anyway, listen, thanks a lot for tuning in. Frank Bannum, what a guy, what a guest. Uh, thanks to DraftKings, and uh, I'll see you all again next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. See you in a week.